Greetings, ladies and mendigents, and welcome to this episode of the first 40,000 words with the web novel Doom Guy Isekai. All the details to the original are down below. If you enjoy this, please like and subscribe as usual, and if you wish to support the author, follow the link down below. If you wish for a second one of these, then it'll take at least 5,000 views with 100 likes and enough of the story afterwards to make another 40,000 words. So, if you want another one, the ball is in your court. As usual, I hope that you enjoy and onto the story. Chapter 1 Doom Doom and More Doom the soldier threw himself headlong into the writhing crowd of crimson flesh, his arms pumping as he literally tore them to pieces. Giant ones, mountainous heaps of veined muscle that throbbed and pulsed as he gouged out pieces with his bare hands. Small horned creatures with numbs of a horn and wide mouths. Lanky humanoids who inverted faces. None of it mattered. There wasn't a single one that could injure him at the moment, and they all fell before his destructive might. Ducking underneath a clumsy claw of a fifteen-foot demon with a long curving horns and a jagged grey bones covering it, the soldier yanked a double-barreled shotgun from practically nowhere and unloaded both slugs into the thing's face before it knew what happened. Tucking the firearm away, he grabbed the demon by the horns. The soldier ripped them straight off of its skull and began using them as impromptu knives, carving through the monsters with greater ferocity and efficacy. It was a matter of minutes, minutes before the crowd was gone, reduced to a bloody scraps and unmoving hills of blood and bone. The soldier stood amongst it all, splattered from head to toe in toxic matter, chest heaving as he caught his breath. The horns that he'd been using were cracked and broken, the majority of one missing entirely. Dropping them into the calf-deep sea of blood, the soldier climbed up to the hill and sat down, turning to face the only entrance in the stadium-sized cave that he knew of. Of course, the things could dig through the rock, but they almost always took the path of least resistance. He had been fighting the demons for uh, a long time, an incredibly long time. He was pretty sure that it had been terrifying and brutal as he adjusted to the knowledge that he would be down here for what was essentially amounted to the rest of his life. It had progressed from there to acceptance that he was going to eventually die here. After that, he had come to the realization that endlessly blasting and shredding demons was borderline therapeutic and that he never had so much fun on Earth as he did here. He was well aware that it was probably his tired brain coping with stress, but at some point, he had stopped feeling stressed about it. Instead of fear, he felt exhilaration. Instead of disgust at being covered in gore, he gloried in it. Instead of worry about the halls that would never end, he felt a confident certainty that they had feared him more than they had ever feared them. Rest was uncommon variable for the soldier, but that didn't matter. The Prieta suit had been received, or had it been given, or perhaps it had been issued. Regardless, it ensured that he didn't need to rest at all, but it was an ice break from all the action. Cracking his knuckles, he set to looting the corpses of the fallen. He long ago stopped questioning why the demons carried weapons, ammunitions, and med packs and didn't use any of them. 
He just picked up whatever he wanted and kept it for later. A roar echoed out down from the caves, and the soldier raised an eyebrow inside the black tinted helmet. Apparently later was going to be a lot sooner than he had expected. Reaching down into the mountain of bodies, the soldier rummaged around for a moment and then removed a gigantic gun with a barrel that could probably fit a soda can inside. Raising it to his shoulder, he braced himself and slammed the stock against his shoulder. Inside the device, a deep drum was audible. Hefting it one-handed, he pulled the small detonator from his side and stared at it, grinning. He had been working on this particular area of health for some time now, and there were explosives set at various points in the ground. A lot of explosives. Suffice to say, anything remotely near the area would go down in flames and rock, and the soldier would enjoy seeing that very much. When the monster came towards him, he smiled widely behind his helmet. It was freakishly large, a seventy-foot mass of arms, eyes, and teeth basically rolling towards him. Aiming without too much care for whether it would be accurate, the soldier hit the trigger, knowing full well the destructive power of the weapon in his hands. Nothing happened, and with an almost disappointed sigh, the soldier pulled back the ammunition chamber of the gun, ignoring the monster crawling towards him, and grunted irritably. The power cell, which was supposed to be glowing green, was dim and lifeless. Well, so much for that. Tossing the gun aside, the soldier held up a detonator, aloft, and pressed the trigger. Over 18 detonations rumbled through the cave and they were in, and the monster paused as the rumble crept through the cavern, the stones covering the ground, dancing from the vibrations. The monster looked like the soldier, all of its eyes wide. The explosions erupted through the ground, tearing the rock and flesh as it blew upwards in a cataclysmic eruption of flame, and monsters were summarily decimated from the sheer force of it all, showering the soldier in a blood and gore. Shaking himself, mostly to clean it off, the soldier dusted his hands off and turned around, freezing as he did. The mountain of bodies that he'd been standing on, over a hundred tons of meat, bones, and various discarded weapons, collapsed, gaining speed as it rushed towards him. The wave of defeated enemies and oncoming death began to roil from the force. The soldier shrugged. There were worse ways to, um, congratulations for proving that the hordes of hell are not, in fact, endless and saving the world of humanity countless times. You have been selected to be the hero of Terracot. You will be granted skills and abilities tailored to your preference. Good luck. And everything went white. End of chapter. Chapter 2. Doomed to meet you. Cogthrak the Merciless was an intimidating figure. At seven feet nine inches, his dashing black suit of crimson accessories made for a handsome and yet powerful appearance. His perfectly dark skin contrasted his glowing red eyes and long curved horns, and his veins glowed with a faint grey light. He was well known amongst the brethren for being devastatingly serious and, uh, ultimately, willing to kill anyone he needed to in order to further his own plans. Kill him! Rip his neck out and, uh, what do you do that for? Hands gripping the stone railing of the observation box, veins standing out on his neck, Quagthrak shouted at the two creatures battling each other in the sand below. 
the wide variety. How about the demons? From low-ranking imps to even the most dangerous art demons were shouting, hollering, and yelling at the two beasts, demanding victory from their pick. The circular arena was packed full today, and arcing grandstands had loaded bleachers covered in rowdy demons. The sand coating on the floor of the arena's battling area was deathly white, so that the blood could be seen easier on it. Far above them all, the cave ceiling was covered in sharp stalactites, some of which were large enough to impale even a Cerberus. Today, the contestants Quagthrak was cheering on was a hellhound, a spiky and bristling dog with rippled muscles and slobbery teeth. The beast stood nearly eight feet tall at the shoulder and was more than strong enough to push over an elephant, and its bite strength was nearly unmatched. Nearly being the key word here, as its opponent was a spitter. The squid-like creature sported nine flaming tentacles, which they used to drag their bulbous, fleshy body around. The enormous beak snapped at but angrily, trying to catch the taste of the agile opponent. Quagthrak was more than a little excited. The hellhound, slowly but surely, was beginning to overpower the spitter through sheer strength. Its clawed paws dealing huge damage. Every time it landed a bite, it put another piece off the spitter. The air ripped in half. It wasn't a metaphor for a loud noise, nor even a particularly well-aimed frame attack. The air literally tore with a catastrophic tearing noise, a great white scar hanging still, the edges flickering with a pale flame. As a whole, the assaulted demon stood, eyes wide. Of course, they knew what was going on. This sort of event had been publicized and copied hundreds of times over the course of Terracott's history. And that history extended to Hell as well. Apparently, Hell was getting a hero. And then, a mountain of flesh spilled through. The soldier rolled over and over, his visor coated with white, reaching for the gun that wasn't there. He scrabbled for purchase on the slippery material underneath him, mind racing. Pretty sure I'm supposed to be dead. He was ridiculously tough, but that had been a massive wave of bodies and it would have hurt, at the very least. Welcome to Terracott Hero. As you know, you will be given abilities that you can improve over the course of your lifetime. Any questions you might have can be answered by the handy-dandy handyman perk, which will dissipate over the next week. Good luck. The words flashed across his HUD, scrolling directly in front of his eyes. He tried to blink them away, but uh, the words were practically burning themselves into his retina. Several seconds later, the words vanished as quickly as they had come, and he came to a stop at the bottom of a soft hill. He just lay there for a moment, chest heaving as they considered what was going on. His helmet was hard-coded and didn't have any connections to networks of any kind, at least not where he'd been. Had his helmet been hacked, it seemed unlikely that someone would go to the effort of hacking his government-issued helmet just to leave a comment as harmless as that. Unless it was hypnotic, that is. A strong hand grabbed his shoulder, shaking him, and he froze. The hands felt human, carefully checking him over and poking his armor. He raised a hand, trying to wipe away the white covering his face. He hadn't seen another human in years, probably. The only thing that he'd known was annihilating the hordes of Hal. How would he have met someone else? 
He noticed her quiet voice. It sounded as though someone was yelling at the end of a very distant hallway, trying to get his attention. It was at this point he realized that his ears were ringing, and he shook his head to try and clear it away. Meanwhile, he focused on the words being spoken to him. They were faint, but he could just make them out. You are right. Can you hear me? Edel, I don't think you can hear me. Edel, he wondered. What kind of name is Edel? Stumbling to his feet, he shook his head. When he tried to talk, his throat croaked instead. He couldn't remember the last time he'd spoken to anyone or anything. The hands retreated and thankfully, the white began to fade away. Squinting through it, splotches ruining his vision, he saw a pair of horns. He didn't hesitate, snapping his gloved hands forward and seizing the horns, yanking them towards him. Ducking, he swept a leg under the horn figure's feet and twisted the horn sharply. He heard, through the fog of his ears, a loud snap. He sighed. He'd known that demons could imitate sounds. He'd just never imagined that they could replicate human voices. And why was it trying to... Um, holy crap, you slain a level 78 archdemon with a snap of his neck and gained 7,942 experience. Your skill levels have been appropriately taken into account. And as a result, you've leveled up six times. All physical stats have been increased by 20. Perk, Demon Slayer required. Unknown, level 6, class, murder machine, MP100, resistance 218 plus 600, strength 366 plus 500, agility 273 plus 50, intelligence 109, charisma 28, luck 9, weapons, skills, weaponless combat and marksman, perks, demon slayer, hero and handyman. Equipment, create all suit, blood of thy enemies. He shook his head, staggering backwards from the input. Just what was going on here? Then of chapter. Chapter 3. A large, fluffy doom. The soldier shook his head, punched his own helmet in an attempt to finish shaking off the whiteness, flooding his view, rubbing the front of his visor. He managed to get the last of it off and blinked several times, hard. His eyes widened as he took in the scene, namely that he wasn't covered in a wave of dead bodies anymore. That was a pleasant surprise. The rest of it was anything but pleasant. About a thousand horned entities and humanoid monsters were staring at him with various expressions of disbelief, toothy jaws hanging open, and his feet was a very humanoid demon wearing clothes. Its tail, the horns, the backward-facing legs, it definitely wasn't human. Right behind him was a good portion of corpses that he'd slaughtered, but in front of him were a genuine beast of a squid on fire and the biggest dog he'd ever seen. His eyes narrowed as he took it in. He had a rabbit a long time ago. Its name had been Daisy, and he really... Liked it. Loved it, actually. But he could barely remember what it looked like anymore. It had been slaughtered by demons. This thing wasn't a rabbit. But it was both fluffy and furry. So, uh, it was close. The giant squid thing ignored him and hurled itself at the dog, wrapping itself around it with sinking its large beak into the dog's skin. It howled in agony and began spinning around, trying to bite the thing off. 
Sprinting forward, the soldier jumped into the air, twisting over the dog's back and grabbing the squid. He didn't do it gently. His hand sank into the thing's flesh and he squeezed as his movement brought him to the other side of the dog. Dancing, he rotated and brought his shoulders forward and grunted from the effort. The squid was launched forward and slammed into the wall, sending cracks spider-webbing through the wall. Murder streak much, you've just summarily annihilated a level 49 flame spitter and acquired 4,269 experience points. You've avoided leveling up again by a single digit. Your luck drops by one point. Behind his arm of the soldier frowned. He was an exceptionally strong individual. He knew that. It was why he'd been picked for the mission. The creator suit he wore amplified that even further. But he'd just thrown a creature that weighed probably 400 pounds a good hundred feet. That wasn't something a human limits really allowed. Turning, he saw the dog bleeding behind him. His eyes swollen, a long gash running down its waist, and it backed away from him, its tail between its legs. He looked around, taking in the huge crowd of demons. They still hadn't done anything yet, but it was only a matter of time before they realized that they outnumbered him a thousand to one. Then he looked back at the dog, bleeding and growling at him. A potential companion, the first in years, decades, maybe. No... He needed to keep his priorities straight. Sprinting at the dog, he ducked under its head, a startled expression on its face, and lifted the thing off its feet. Steadying himself, he righted the creature and turned, and started running with the dog on his shoulder. That was when the crowd finally reacted, a chorus of furious cries raining down around him. A moment later, the air was filled with fire, and he was increased his pace, heading for the giant metal portcullis in front of him. His boots, heavy as they were, still felt as though he was skipping across the ground. Hefting the dog, which was yelping frantically, he lowered his other shoulder and tackled the portcullis. He went straight through, the metal crumpling like tin foil before him. He almost tripped for a moment on the mangled remains, but righted himself and kept running. Something landed behind him and inhaled sharply, and the air took a sudden dip. His suit was designed to avoid that sort of situation, however, and he kept going without stopping. If anything, the lack of air resistance actually helped him speed up. There was a wide, open area in front of him. Dim yellow lights hung in the ceiling, illuminating the startled denizens before him. He heard yelling coming from behind him and increased his pace further. A wall made of some crimson material was in front of him, to his right was a group of hulking creatures, red, fleshy ones heading for him. They didn't look too far off from the monsters that he was used to. On his left was an incredibly thin humanoid, standing probably 20 to 25 feet tall. It turned its head towards him, a perfectly smooth plate covering its face. Behind him was an unrushing wave of crowd from the arena, shouting and screaming with hideous faces contorted in fury. He shrugged slightly. All it is. Lowering his shoulder once again, he ran straight ahead, the dog on his shoulder whimpering, tightening its huge claws into his armor as he punched through with all the grace and delicate maneuvering of a battering ram. His feet pumped for several more seconds, and he looked down, eyes widening. They'd come out of the wall about a hundred feet off the ground. Crud.
Yellow Rect leaned back at his chair, rubbing a small of his back irritably. He was an archdemon, level 52, with the class of secretary. Everyone had laughed at him when he had acquired the class, but then he'd become the number one person to go to for any and all complaints regarding any and everything happening in Brimstone. They still laughed at him, though. Putting his square glasses on, he squinted at the paper in front of him irritably. Paperwork could technically be done with magic. He even possessed the appropriate spell to do so. But the problem with spitting it magically was that the inconsistencies popped up a lot more often when you weren't studying it personally. With Galeract was nothing if not a perfectionist. Everything about his office showed that side of him. The neat, tidy desk with the document tray and the torrent figurine keeping the small stack of papers down. The fireplace in which flames were frozen in most symmetrical possible shape. His desk lamp and pencils organized and lined up until they were perfectly square. Parallels and perpendiculars carefully measured all over his office. So, it was a bit annoying when an imp launched itself through the door, bouncing off the floor and crashing into the wall behind him, knocking the circular clock off the wall. Yellowrecht caught the clock with a telekinesis spell, standing abruptly as he did. He allowed the clock to gently fall into his hands as the imp fell to the floor with a groan. Ignoring it, he examined the clock closely, ensuring that it wasn't damaged, then floated it back up to hang on its nail. Seizing the imp by the back of the neck one-handed, he lifted it into the air, ignoring its face it screwed up in pain. He deposited it in front of his desk, sitting down as he did. Now then, he said levelly, what can I help you with? Imps generally topped out at four feet or so, featuring a pair of bumps on the top of the angular heads. With wrinkled red skin and squinty yellow eyes, the creature often had their faces permanently stuck in a perpetual grimace. This one was no different, but he recognized it regardless. Calafic, correct, aren't you Quack Thrax messenger? It gagged, massaging the area around its neck and nodding frantically. Ugh, yes, yes, well, that's what I mean. You didn't have to do that. Galarect sighed deeply. Please get on with it. I have better things to do. Galafic hissed, his forked tongue slipping through its triangular teeth like what? Giving candy to a... It stopped talking with an abrupt choking sound as Gela leaned across the table and grabbed it by the throat. As its face flashed an increasingly deep shade of red, he fixed his eyes on the wide yellow ones and said evenly, I said, I have better things to do. He dropped it pointedly and it collapsed to the floor, dragging breath into its empty lungs. He sat back down and folded his hands in his lap, crossing his legs. Finally, Galofic gasped, You, you hero! Galarect rolled his eyes. Terracott gets a new hero every other month. Why would Cragthrax send you over for something as trivial as this? The imp shook his head, gargling, No! No hero in hell! Raising an immaculately trimmed black eyebrow, Galarect leaned forward, steepling his fingers and placing his elbows on the desk. Really? Details, please! It was Galifex's turn to give an eye roll. Now, the terrifying archdemon wanted to be polite. Sure. Up in the arena of joy, hero fell out, covered in armor and sliding down a hill of corpses. None of them are alive. Didn't react at first, so Zhao went to go check on him. 
Hero snapped his leg in one move, killed him instantly. Killed a spitter, kidnapped a hellhound, and vanished into the city. They don't know where he was now. Gatorak's eyes widened noticeably. The hero's spawn point was in the middle of the arenas. Correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, don't heroes only spawn in a place they feel safe and secure in? It was a rhetorical question. Every demon with half an end point knew as much information about the terrifying people from another world. In case they were summoned to Terracot's overworld, they had to fight one. Calafix scratched his head, uh, maybe? Get erect, rubbed the bridge of his nose, closing his eyes. Apparently, him slacked that critical half point in int. With the irritated groan, he asked, So, uh, to summarize, uh, a new hero showed up in the middle of Al, killed a high-level archdemon in one move, abducted a 600-pound monster, and then, uh, disappeared? He didn't need to look at Calafix's direction to know the imp was nodding with an almost religious fervor. Needless to say, he didn't want to get strangled again. Leaning back in his comfy high back chair, Gedorek rubbed his face with his hands, dragging the bags under his eyes tightly. By all lines, how does that happen? Gedorek shrugged, fidgeting nervously and hopping from one foot to the other. With a sigh, he opened one eye to stare at the imp. Have we at least uh, figured out what to call it? Scrying won't work a half as well if we don't know what its name is. Calaflick nodded. We imps call him Doom Guy. If you'd seen him throw that spitter across the arena, you'd know why. He even busted the gate with holes in it. Portcullis. It's called the Portcullis, Calaflick. At least get your terms right. Gellerect told him, absently staring out the window at the sprawling city of Brimstone before him. He fingered his chin thoughtfully. Doom guy, hmm? I must say, it does seem to fit quite well. Turning to his desk, he opened up a drawer and removed a clean sheet of paper from it, casting a quick synthesia on it and turning it to face Kellerfleck. Victory space, please. The imp was well aware of what Gellerek was doing and focused as hard as it could, closing its eyes and growling intensely. A helmet began to form on the paper, a green-gray one with a black visor. Gellerek shivered in spite of himself, chiding himself as he did. It was a picture, and it couldn't hurt him. Selecting one of his pencils, he began to expertly make quick marks, scratching with precise, calculated movements. A few seconds later, he handed the wanted poster to the imp. Give this to the printers and tell them that I put a reward on him, something sizable. The imp nodded repeatedly and seized the paper with its grubby little hands. Wings sprouted from its shoulder blades as it ran out the door. It fired off one last retort as it did so. You should put on a pretty little skirt, secretary. It flew off, wavering and rolling in the air ungracefully, cackling maniacally. Gellerect shook his head, returning to his desk. Doomguy, this is quite interesting. He organized his pencil, sharpening it with a quick spell, and then carefully lined up the rest of the objects on his desk. Leaning back at his chair, he mused, This could be interesting indeed. End of chapter. Chapter 4. Simple Doom Building. The soldier looked around, still holding the giant dog on his shoulder. He'd lost his pursuers some time ago, but he'd kept running until he'd found a relatively safe place. He'd gone further underground and had ended up in a moderately-sized cavern. 
several tunnels too small for him were leading off in random directions. A variety of stalactites hung from the ceiling, crawling down to try and meet with the stalagmites reaching up from the floor. Setting down the dog, he began stomping around, crushing the spikes of rock into crimson dust. Several minutes later, he turned back to the dog and sat down on the dust his boots off. The dog's eyes were unsteady from how long the soldier had been running and collapsed on the floor, its fat red tongue hanging out of the side of its mouth. Behind his visor, the soldier grinned. He wasn't sure what had made him decide to take the dog with him. It really was just more weight to take along, and it probably wasn't even a dog. Whatever this was, this creature was definitely not from Earth or even Mars, which meant that there was a good chance that the black fluffy thing was a threat. Popping his knuckles, he stretched out his kinks in his armor, rolling his shoulders, he bounced slightly onto the balls of his feet, and even under the weight of his armor, he still felt as if he were in casual clothes, not that he could really remember the casual clothing felt like. Browning under his helmet, he wondered, how does this work? Your strength stat currently far surpasses the required level to comfortably wear your creator suit, so it feels practically weightless. The blue sheet flickered into existence directly in front of him, and he didn't hesitate. One hand shot out in a straight punch and shattered it, leaving his fist extended. He took a good look at the steam rising from his gauntlet. What was that? I am a physical manifestation of your handyman perk. You can ask me questions regarding the world of Terracot, and I'll be here to answer. Does that make sense? Reaching both hands out, he grabbed the corners of the box and vexed, throwing his hands wide while gripping the square. He tore it in half, and it dissipated into blue pixels, floating away and disappearing slowly. At least until another one appeared. It is not possible to permanently destroy your status board. Actually, it shouldn't even be possible to break it at all, so I am uncertain how you're managing to do so. Anyway, please stop. The soldier hesitated, one clenched fist an inch away from the board. The dog, in the process of cleaning itself, watched him curiously. He considered his options. The thing wasn't going away, it wasn't presenting a threat, and it wasn't doing anything except startling him. Did he really have any choice of whether or not he could stop it? Moreover, did he really need to? Crossing his arms, he stood back. He tried to talk again, and a faint rasp left his throat. Apparently, that wasn't an option. But he responded to his thoughts just like before, so he tried instead. What are you? As I told you, I'm a physical manifestation of your handyman perk. All right, what's that? The handyman perk is an autonomous reform guide to the world. Perks are a passive skill and therefore require no mana cost. You can ask me any question regarding the world of Terracot and I will answer immediately. He raised an eyebrow at his helmet. The dog walked around, sniffing at its surroundings, and then flopped down, setting his tail on his nose. It sneezed and tried to bite the tail. I'm in a place called Terracot. Yes and no. Terracot is a self-contained multiverse of sorts, several layers of different worlds existing in single space. Most consider the overworld to be the place to be, which they also call Terracot. You are currently in the lowest layer, Hell. The soldier put a hand to his helmet, 
he'd been launched into another world again, and he had just happened to end up in the exact same place that he'd left. Not quite. The plane that you left was how of that universe, disconnected from your world. And before you ask, I exist in your mind. All information you possess, I have as well. But yes, you are in hell again. That in and of itself is quite unusual, incidentally. He folded his arms. Why would that be weird? When a um, hero is summoned to Terracot, they appear in a place they consider safe and secure in, such as a homey village or a penthouse suite in a city. In your case, I would assume that it's been so long since you've been in a pleasant place of any kind that you've literally forgotten what anything except hell is like. Much as he hated to admit it, that made sense. He'd had a vaguest inklings of a blue sky far above him, but he wasn't sure if that was what starved imagination playing tricks on him, or if it was a genuine memory. In fact, the only safe places he could remember were in a certain pockets of hell. So it, unfortunately, stood to reason that he would have appeared in the middle of this world's version of it. Looking back at the giant dog gnawing on its own tail behind him, he thought, All right, so what is that thing? That is a Hellhound, a level 65 one with an empty class slot. It seems to be remarkably docile around you, like due to you rescuing it from the arena of joy. Would you like to adopt it as a pet? He shook his head, amused in spite of himself. A dog from hell. It sounded a lot like him. Adopt? Sure, why not? Very well, place your hand on its forehead and say its name that you'd like for it. Walking over to it, he raised a hand. It raised its head and looked at him, head tilted curiously as he solidly put a hand on it. And then he croaked hoarsely. Swallowing hard, he coughed and then tried to speak again, but nothing happened except for a faint gasp of hair. Um, you have to speak the name out loud or else it won't work. Is there anything you can say out loud? I know it's been a while, but you can do it. The soldier practically growled. He killed demons with his bare hands. He'd used firearms to annihilate millions of monsters. He buried himself in a wave of demonic corpses for crying out loud. So he was just going to say the dog's name, or was he going to bloody well die trying? <sighs> he swallowed back the saliva in his throat, his eyes narrowing behind the visor. And he tried again. His entire expression wrinkled in fury. He was not going to be beaten by a sore throat. He began to inhale deeply, sucking in the massive gale of air into his lungs. And then he roared in a hoarse, scrabbly voice. Doom. The hellhound jumped up in shock, its hackles rising to its shoulders as the sound erupted from the soldier's lungs. Rolling through the tunnels and echoing out with the thunderous reverberations. All over Brimstone, demons and imps stared around, most in fear and in some in awe, at the sheer volume of the shout. The enormous variety of monsters and denizens skulking in the shadows behind shadows looked up in surprise. The sound continued to carry, bouncing off the cavernous walls of Brimstone's caves and seeping into every house in store. High up in his office, Gellerect raised his eyes. Well, he commented to an empty room, this could be a problem. End of chapter. Chapter 5. Creative Doom. 
The soldier crouched behind the crates of the strange smelling food, eyeing his targets. The dog behind him waved a tail excitedly, drool dripping out of her mouth. Apparently Ald was a girl, Ald being short for LD, which was short for Little Doom. It had taken some finagling to convince the handyman that his limited vocabulary wouldn't quite let him speak, and the helpful perk had eventually settled on reading his mind. He had his way out of the strange cave system and found his way to an odd market of sorts. It was here that he was waiting, ready to strike. The demon he was watching was burning with broad shoulders and curling beige horns. It wore a tough brown apron and thick black pants, leaving its back exposed. The reason for its apron was due to the forge that it was operating. A variety of lethal weapons hanging outside, its roof slanted downwards at a steep angle, the ramshackle walls leading inwards. Despite the otherwise run-down appearance, the wickedly sharp swords and blades just outside were of a high quality from what the soldier could tell. It was further that reason that the soldier was keeping an eye on it. A plan ready in his mind. Um, do you mind me asking, uh, what are you doing? The soldier smiled behind his helmet. Perfect timing. Seizing the blue rectangle, he vaulted the crates into the back of the forge, swinging the board. It struck into the demon's neck and blood sprayed. The creature goggled. Kicking it from the back and facing knee, the soldier quickly crippled it, then paced the weapons and seized one, a wavy knife. Turning, he was surprised to see that the demon standing, ignoring the makeshift blade in its neck. With a growl, it strode forward and punched. Raising his arms, the soldier took the hit. It felt like a battering ram. The soldier was launched out from the building, crashing through the weapons and startling the horned denizens walking past. He lost his grip on the knife and he whizzed off somewhere. Getting to his feet, the soldier seized the notice, ripping it expertly around his hand as if it were a knife and wondering in the back of his mind how he knew how to wield a blackboard. Rushing him, the forge demon lowered its horns with a growl, charging him. The soldier instinctively knew that he wouldn't survive another hit like the one he'd taken, and jumped, trusting his newfound strength. It worked, and the demon went underneath him, just barely clipping the bottom of his boots. He landed, he spun, and threw the board. It shot through the air, and the demon turned around, and it struck it in the throat. Joking on its blood, the demon went to one knee, but got back to his feet. The soldier shook his head, still a little stunned from the hit, but ready to fight all the same. As the demon started approaching him, its yellow eyes widened, looking above him. A black form leaped over his head and crunched into the demon, snarling and growling in rage. Al bit and clawed at the demon, and both of them rolled around, the demon giving a back blow for blow. The soldier didn't hesitate. Sprinting back to the forge, he seized a significantly heftier sword, this one almost as large as he was, and ran back to the fight, decapitating another demon heading for him as he did. Um, you really shouldn't be able to kill this many demons so fast, but, yeah, level 19, 3,970 experience points. You leveled up, got an increase in 20 at all physical stats, just, uh, this is a bad time, uh, I'll, I'll do this later. Leaping towards the demon who was holding Al down with both hands, the soldier swung his new sword. The demon looked up to see him and complained, With my own! 
The soldier didn't let him finish. He could have said a memorable quip, maybe something along the lines of doom. But he just cut to the chase, or rather, cut to the neck. Stop, just stop. 5,201 experience, leveled up. You got 20 stats, all right? Go hunt some slimes or something. Hefting the sword on his shoulder, the soldier immediately started running, shaking what was left of the rapidly disintegrating demon in her mouth. Al looked up and dropped it, following him with a happy grin. The soldier had acquired a weapon, not a firearm, but it was better than nothing. End of chapter. Chapter 6. That'll be one doom to go. The soldier hefted the sword happily. This was an excellent idea. Back at the arena where he had entered the world, demons were filling in and taking their seats, the Colosseum slowly filling up with its horrific occupants. Behind him, Al was wagging her tail in excitement, ready for a good fight. He realized it looked like a bolt out of the blue. Why wait around for an opportunity to murder everyone when he could just hunt them down? You're not going to do something foolish, are you? The soldier grabbed the small sword from flipping it around into a backhand grip. Now, he had two weapons. Al scooted a little closer, her tail wagging, and the soldier roughly rubbed her head, genuinely excited. If not, maybe a little happy to execute his grand plan. I'm sorry, but what in the terracotta are you doing? The soldier ignored the handyman perk and readied his sword, waiting for the opportune moment. Then... He thought, screw it. The first hint of demons that got who he was attacking was when he plunged straight through the bleachers, swinging his sword to decapitate three demons sitting next to each other. It was a big hint, to say the least. Alt pounced out of the hole that he'd produced, snatching up a demon in her teeth and shaking it like a chew toy. The soldier noticed a demon rolling its eyes as if it rose to its feet, summoning a ball of fire in his hand. So he stabbed it and stayed down. He heard a shout and gates where the monsters were supposed to come from opening up with a clang and a small army in heavily armored demons sprinting out in an organized pattern. The soldier grinned behind his helmet. The more, the merrier. Leaping down from the stands, the soldier ran straight for them and they stalled in surprise. A few seconds was all the time he needed, leaping straight over them. The soldier twisted midair and swept his sword down, and his visor was sprayed with blood. Slamming to the ground, he spun around, shoving all the strength he could manage into the strike, and more demons went down, the sword carving through the armor like it wasn't even there. One of them got behind him with an axe and struck down, crashing into his shoulder and glancing off the creator's suit. Off balance, the demon stumbled forward and was literally bisected by the soldier's strike. Only a few minutes into the fight and the soldier was already coated in blood. Al launched herself at the small regiment of confused demons and smashed into their side like a battering ram. Bodies hurtling into the air from the force, the soldier was laughing at his head, wishing that he could do so out loud. This was far easier than the monsters that he was used to. Ducking this swing from a hefty pike, he rewarded the assailant's accuracy with a handyman board to the gut, stabbing it as far as it would go. Letting go of the board, he spun around with his massive blade, striking downwards and cleaving another demon in half. Something struck him in the back of the head with all the force of a sledgehammer, 
and he was launched forward, slamming into the arena wall and crashing through the stone. Standing, he shook himself off and sprinted easily back to the arena, ignoring the constant inputs of status boards informing him of incoming experience points. There was a monolithic creature, easily 60 feet tall, standing in the center of the arena, composed largely of misshapen flesh. It looked very surprised to see that he had survived, but lumbered forward once again. Holding his sword at it, the soldier impaled the monstrosity in the forehead, then seized two of the notification boards. Sprinting forwards, he leapt into the air and stabbed both boards into the thing's flesh. Shaking his head, the soldier started climbing the thing, using the boards as an interim grips. Fumbling at the sword in its head, the monstrosity didn't notice that he got on top of his shoulders, avoiding its clumsy swings, and yanked the sword out. Stabilizing himself on its shoulders, he tensed and then swung with all the strength that he could muster. The creature toppled backwards as its head went flying, and the soldier ran down its body just as it fell, jumping off at the last second and throwing the sword in the air. Rolling to his feet, the soldier extended a hand, and the handle of the sword landed neatly in his palm. Looking upward, he saw more of them coming in, flying and wielding balls of flame. He grinned wider. He was feeling better than ever, and he flipped the sword in a more applicable position. Popping the bones in his neck, he checked his status and grinned. Well, over five times as high as they'd used to be previously, Crouching, he put all one hand to the ground, flexing his muscles at his leg. Surely, you're not going to. The soldier jumped, practically flying as he hurtled through the air. Rotating, he swung his blade in four different angles, and four demons fell to the ground far below. As his momentum slowed, he tackled one of them, snapped its neck, and jumped off of it. Repeating the technique a few more times, he ended up eliminating the entire air force and lightly hopped back. To the ground, sticking the landing. He refused to let his knees buckle and created a crater from the impact, a dust cloud exploding upwards. By the time a few remaining demons could see through the dust cloud, he was gone. End of chapter. Chapter 7 True Doom. The soldier sprinted away from the arena, laughing his head off inside his own mind. That was so much fun. He hadn't had fun in uh, years, decades, maybe. Health caught up to him, several scars coating a fur, heating at an incredible rate as a tongue lolled happily, and he ruffled her head fur gleefully while he ran. Boots slamming into the evenly set cobblestones that made up the road of the area that he was sprinting through. He unstung his sword and leaned forward, tapping into more speed as he targeted the crowd of demons in front of him who appeared to be protesting about something or another. Bending down further, he ended up almost on all fours, but was running at such a steep angle that it only appeared that way. It was in that method by which the soldier crashed into the crowd with all the precision and power of a railgun, swinging his sword with a loaded streak, carving through limbs and bodies with all the ease of a master swordsman. Part of him wondered when he'd learned how to use a sword but most of him was busy butchering. It took him less than two minutes to finish off the last of the crowd, a massive demon with rippling muscles going down from a cut across the chest. 
punching his sword with a clang. The blood literally vibrated off of it, and the soldier resisted the urge to kiss the blade. It was an excellent weapon, however much he missed his firearms. You have reached level 25. Due to your class of murder machine, you may select one of two perks. Magic Armaments allows you to create weapons from mana. Synopsis. Use a significant amount of your overall mana pool to create weapons from your mind, even ones in memory. If you don't know how they work, the similar weapon will be supplied and the dimension where weapons are bound. The soldier didn't even bother reading the second option. He practically punched the button to accept the skill, and a moment later, he felt the knowledge of how to use it but his mind. He didn't have time to appreciate it, unfortunately. Stop in the name of the Nine! Spinning around, the soldier saw six of the biggest, most heavily armored demons he'd seen up to date approaching him. Bearing spike swords longer than he was tall and a rectangular shield taller than they were. Their armor coated every inch of their bodies, focusing heavily on joints and especially the neck. The only gap was two isolates, flame erupting from the small holes. Each demon was easily 15 feet tall. One of the ones in the front stepped forward, raising his sword and pointing at the soldier. More crimes against humankind. We, the royal guard, have elected to personally. The soldier punched the side of his blade, and it clanged loudly. The demon flinched, and the one speaking took a step back. Grinning behind his visor, the soldier stepped forward, punching the sword again. The demon glanced back at his comrades, then continued with a faint waver. We are the royal guard, and have decided to personally hang. It stepped backwards again, and the demons behind followed suit uneasily. We will clang. The demon raised its sword, growling. Screw it, you're dead. It ran forward towards the soldier, swinging its sword down in a curving arc. The soldier acted quickly, dropping his blade to the ground, its center resting on one of his boots. He braced himself and locked his knees, popping his shoulders. He raised his hands and uh, caught the sword. The demon stared at it, and even through two halberts, the soldier could practically smell the terror. What the demon didn't know was that the soldier's hands held notification boards, and from what Handyman had told him, the thin blue boards were unbreakable. Laughing in his helmet, the soldier slid the demon's sword aside, allowing it to crash into the road. Then he flipped his own blade up into his hand, using his foot, clutching it backhanded in one hand. He leapt up, wrapping his legs around the demon's helmet and leaning back. Startled and unsteady, the demon toppled backwards, dropping both the sword and the shield to clutch the soldier's armor. The moment they hit the ground, the soldier grabbed the base of the demon's helmet and pulled upwards. The moment he caught a glimpse of grey skin, he raised his sword and stabbed downwards. The demon stopped moving. Shaking himself, the soldier stepped backwards and heard a clink. Looking down, he grinned again and felt the demons behind him tense. Reaching down to pick up the demon's sword, he grunted in effort as he raised it resting it on his shoulder and wielding his prior blade backhanded. Turning to the five remaining in the royal guard, the soldier aimed the bigger sword at them, still holding it one-handed. Then he dropped both swords. Confused, they glanced back and forth at each other and then looked back at the soldier. Popping his neck, the soldier raised one of his hands at about waist height, one hand clenched in a loose fist as if wanting to fist bump. 
The other hand went to below his waist height, cocking and looking downward angle at ready to grip. Magic armament used, all mana consumed, Gasberg murder machine regenerating mana. Crystalline blood-red energy bored out of the soldier, forming into a dense shape, a massive, bulky section just in front of him. One handle rising to fit into his hand, a back area slowly took shape, easing into the grip and creating a tiny button just under his thumb. In front of the large section, six rotating barrels solidified, already spinning up run building speed. In other words, what might be commonly known as a minigun. He opened fire. End of chapter. Chapter 8. Doom it up. The minigun kicked in in the soldier's hands and flames spitting at the end as it laughed and chattered in its unending war cry into the demon's faces. They didn't know what to make of it before it fired, but as it shredded armor and carved gashes into the road, they tried to retreat, turning and fumbling with each other. Slowly walking forward with all the inevitability of death itself, the soldier approached them, holding the button down and gripping the handlebar as tightly as he could to steady his weapon's aim. Stomping forward so that he could even attempt to walk without sliding backwards. Whatever version of the minigun this was, it kicked like a mule, and it was taking most of his soldier's strength just to keep moving. His arms were rattling from the vibrations, and Ald had her head underneath her paws, whimpering from the noise. Either way, he was having more fun than before. He had guns now. Squinting through the helmet past the gunfire, he tried to make out what was happening and saw the demon running away as fast as it could. Four of them had gone down, but the final one was getting away. His eyes narrowed. That wouldn't do. Discarding the minigun, he watched it turn into mana and dissipate. With a thought, he activated the perk again and summoned a new weapon. This one was sleek with a squat magazine and a long barrel. A cylinder that ends flaring outwards at both ends was mounted on top and it featured a hefty stock at the back. Jumping easily to the roof of one of the red shingled houses, the soldier twisted and raised the sniper rifle to his helmet, aiming carefully. Centering the crosshair on the back of the fleeing demon's skull, he pulled the trigger and the rifle bucked. Shaking his head, he raised the sniper again, but it was unnecessary. The first shot had more than none done its job. Allowing the weapon to disappear, the soldier hopped down from the house and dusted off his hands. Looking down, he practically laughed at his old sword. Some might have wanted to keep it as a reminder, or whatever, but the soldier preferred guns to blades any day of the year. Turning to Ald, he was surprised to find her still whining loudly from the sound. He wasn't too worried about his own ears. He got a bit deaf in the gorgeous tons of firearms, but it'd been a few days since he'd arrived and their sound had become sweeter than ever. Casually picking up the gigantic dog, the soldier hefted her on his shoulder and began walking back down the street, ankle deep and gore. Held yelp as he lifted her, and her claws scraped against his armor and he headed back to their relatively hidden base. Thankfully, his home was relatively close by, and all he had to do was go into the tunnels. The heavy bootprints led him back to the main area. Looking around at the small cave, its ceiling only a few inches above Ald's head and the walls looming inwards, he realized that maybe it was a bit small. He shrugged. 
Well, there are a few ways to fix that, one of which involved blunt force. The others involved explosives. A lot of them. Setting out down, he popped his knuckles and got to work, punching stone away with his gauntleted hands as easily as if it were made of a particularly crusty bread. The dust started to get all over him, but he didn't mind. It mixed with the blood splattering him and settled into an earthy crimson. Hardened and cracking all over and over as he flexed and worked, slowly coming off of him in pieces as it turned into scabs that broke away. Seizing a chunk of rock the size of a refrigerator, he yanked it away and broke it over his knee. Grabbing the larger pieces, he set about crumbling it into dust, having to break the larger pieces a few times over. Straightening, he dusted off his armor as best he could and then clapped, the sound echoing through the caverns as a small cloud of dust exploded from his gloves, sweeping the worst of it away. Looking around the considerably larger cavern, the soldier nodded happily to himself and sat down. Summoning a good old-fashioned wooden metal pump-action shotgun, he raised one hand and a handful of slugs appeared in it, the red plastic cylinders with a coppery base. Methodically, he started loading the shells into the shotgun. Though the perk added knowledge, he knew that the gun could easily load itself. But there wasn't many activities more therapeutic to the soldier than personally slotting the ammunition into the shotgun for himself. With a thought, he pulled up his main board. Doom, level 34, class murder machine, MP 780, resilience 798 plus 1027, strength 866 plus 500, agility 773 plus 50, intelligence 109, charisma 28, luck 8, skills, battering ram, marksman, sharpshooter, perks, demon slayer, hero, handyman, and magic armaments, equipment, creator suit, blood of thine enemy, times 427. The soldier blinked when he saw the equipment area. Did it count the blood of every demon he killed as a point towards his total? Was that what it was supposed to mean? Oh, finally, you ask a question I can answer reasonably. No, how do I rip this guy in half faster? No, shouldn't he be dead now? Just a question about a status board. <clears throat> Sorry, got a little excited there anyways. What specifically are you asking about? Pointing at the equipment section, the soldier indicated the item in question. Mm-hmm, give me a moment to run that through the database. The soldier was patient to wait, putting his shotgun aside. He looked around for large chunks of rock that he'd missed, found one, and started rubbing the corners with his hands, making quick motions to grate his palm over in rapid strokes. A few minutes later, the handyman responded, Okay, I'm back. It turns out, provided you don't take any showers or baths or anything like that, blood of thy enemy will increase your resilience by one point for every enemy you kill. It's a unique perk from your class, Murder Machine. Makes sense? The soldier nodded in response, and handyman continued, Okay, great. One more thing that you should know about your class. From what I'm reading from the database, Murder Machine has one heck of a built-in perk. Palming the ball and giving it a tentative punch with make sure that it would hold up, the soldier tossed the stone ball at Ald, and she snapped it up, her balls gouging the previously smooth surface as she gnawed in it. Returning his attention to a handyman, the soldier's eyes narrowed. 
For every enemy that you kill within a short period of time, 34 seconds at your current level, your mana regen rate will increase by 2 per second, and the timer will be reset every time you kill an enemy. A sort of streak reward, if you will. Well, that sounded incredibly helpful. Rising from his feet, the soldier picked up his shotgun and racked it, lurking one more stuck into the chamber. Time to test it out. End of chapter. Chapter 9. Doom with 2. The demon's head exploded as the soldier sent a slug through its skull, and the resulting gore sprayed the soldier from head to toe. Wiping the worst of it away from his visor, the soldier reloaded the shotgun with magic and racked the slide with an incredibly satisfying click. No manual reloads here. He was all business at the moment. He decided to test it out most efficient way possible by taking out an entire market in one go. It had been only four days since he arrived in Hell, but even with a small period of time, the soldier had discovered he didn't really need food or water anymore. It was nice to think about, but since there wasn't exactly a surplus of gourmet food in Hell, he didn't bother trying to. Unlike him, Eld did need food, and she evidently liked the taste of demons. Hence, his current murder spree of... Um, he squinted at the small number in the corner of his helmet. 78, evidently. He frowned behind the visor, and Eld glanced up at him from where she was gnawing off an arm. 78 wasn't nearly enough. There was no reason to, but... Um, he racked the shotgun again, menacingly this time. The market was too small for him. About ten minutes later, the soldier was crouched behind a series of crates, having discarded the shotgun for the minigun once more. There had been a weapon in his past life which he had lovingly entitled the PFG, but he wasn't able to summon it for some reason. Oh, I know why. It's because big fancy gun is considered a heavy weapon, such a warhammer or a battle axe, rather than a medium weapon. Your minigun just barely qualifies as medium, by the way. Probably something to do with the size of the bullets. Curiosity satisfied, the soldier started spinning up the gun. He found a massive forum of salts, a giant temple featuring a colossal pillars and a wide entrances squatting in front of several grandiose statues. Demons casually wandered around, their claws clicking on the cobbled road as they interacted with the various food stands set up in around the area. One of them, a tall one with a blue three-piece suit, frowned and turned its head towards the soldier's location. Apparently, it had heard the miniguns whirring. Well, now was a good time as any. Jumping out over the crates, the soldier slammed into the cobbles and grinned hugely. The minigun nearly screaming as it reached terminal spin. Swiveling it, he aimed it into the crowd, and the demon who had noticed him said mildly, Oh, it's you, there are posters for your... The soldier opened fire, and lances of white fire tore through the crowd. The demon neatly dodged the shots, weaving underneath the barrage. Arrest! I was going to say arrest, just to be clear. Holding the minigun one-handed and disregarding the drop in accuracy, the soldier summoned his shotgun and aimed. Unconcerned, the annoying demon dodged the resulting blast, which ripped through the road and left a decent crater in it. Blurring forwards, the demon swept his claws upwards in a powerful uppercut, striking the soldier in the chin. Dropping both minigun and shotgun, the soldier sailed backwards, crashing through the shingled roof of one of the nearby buildings. Standing and shaking his head off, the soldier looked at the streak. Thirty-four, glancing sideways, he froze. Two demons, 
One male, the other female, were paused in the middle of feeding each other spoonfuls of what appeared to be ice cream. Slowly glancing at one another, the male asked, uh, Do you mind? The soldier summoned his shotgun. A few seconds later, he crashed through the wall with a streak of 36, shotgun raised as he searched for the irritating demon who had hit him. He was relaxing on the stack of crates nearby, admiring the distorted purple fruit. You're quite accurate with that weapon of yours. Can't let me take it for a run. Stomping forward, the soldier dismissed the shotgun and strode towards the demon barehanded. Laughing quietly, the demon lightly hopped off the crates and lowered his center of gravity. Pale blue eyes narrowing into slits. Aha! Uh-huh. So you wish to engage in melee combat, do you? I must warn you, I'm a level 96 in the boxer class. Clearing his throat, the soldier shouted a war cry. Doom! Sprinting forwards, his opponent, the soldier went for a straight punch. Ducking underneath it, the demon went for another uppercut, leaning backwards slightly. The soldier heard the hiss of the air as the demon strike passed through the space his head had just occupied. Stepping forward, the soldier hooked one leg behind the knee of the demon and grabbed his throat and pushed hard. With a wolf of displaced air, the demon went down and the soldier summoned his shotgun, shoving it into the demon's face. Laughing quietly, the demon said cheerily, Mal, I must say, I rather ate my words there. My apologies, fighter. My name is Kurgoth. Might I have yours? The soldier naturally blew his head off. Flipping the shotgun into a comfortable position in the crook of his arm, the soldier stepped back and dusted his hands off. Eld had just somehow fallen asleep before even his initial jump into the open and was still snoozing despite the ear-shattering shotgun blasts. Shaking his head amusedly, the soldier dismissed the gun once again. Holy, you just... that was freaking awesome! He had the shotgun back and loaded in a fraction of a second, aiming it down at a small alley at a person who had spoken. He caught a glimpse of a silver before whoever was ducked behind the corner. Menacingly racking the shotgun slide, he paced forward. Ah, truce, truce, I'm human, I promise. Stepping out cautiously from behind the corner was a knight, a medieval one, from the looks of it, coated entirely in ornate silver armor, sweeping angles and curved edges. She had tan skin and short blonde ponytail. She didn't seem to have a helmet, but everything down here was tarnished and spiked gauntlets smoke of long, hard battles. She was holding a massive shield, a rectangular thing with a slight horizontal curve and a massive yellow gem sat in the center, lines radiating out from it glowing faintly. She was almost hiding behind it, using its heft to cover the majority of her from the soldier's aim. The soldier's eyes narrowed. She looked human, but yeah... He lowered his shotgun to the hip height and still kept aiming it in her direction. Slinging her shield on her back, she raised her hands non-threateningly. I promise, I'm not a demon. The soldier walked closer and gestured at her shield with one hand. Glancing over her shoulder at it uncertainly, her face filled with realization. She jumped backwards. Oh, thieves, no. I got this from my father. This is all I have to remember him by. Lowering the shotgun, the soldier allowed it to dissipate. No demon would have an emotional attachment as far as he was concerned. And if he was wrong, he had literally infinite supply of bullets. The knight relaxed as he did. Oh, you don't want it. Okay, that's a relief. Striding towards him, she extended a hand. My name is Alice Candor. What's yours? Accepting the handshake, he squeezed her hand tightly, responding tersely. Doob. She blinked. Okay, that's not creepy at all. What are you... Crap. 
falling into silence. She slowly backed away, pulling her shield out and leveling it at the soldier. Staring over his shoulder, turning, he found Al standing over him, drooling a bit. She had an arm in her mouth, and he had no clue where she'd gotten it, but he gave her a quick head scratch either way. Turning back to Alice, he was surprised to see her eyebrows raised high. You have a pet hellhound, I mean... Cautiously, she walked forward, the old lulled the tug out, watching her curiously. Reaching her hand up, she tentatively patted Alt's head. The dog closed her eyes in bliss. A slow grin coming to her face, Alice said thoughtfully, Yeah, I can see why you'd have one. What are you going to do down here anyway? The soldier blinked. Right, carnage. Summoning his minigun, he started spinning it up, and Alice made a small sound of surprise. Huh, what's that? Turning, he headed back into the forum. He could get to know her better later, preferably after a roads run red. A song came to his mind, one with heavy gnashing of electric guitars and thumping drums. Not for the first time, he wished he could listen to music while he worked. Alice looked a little nervous. Wait, what are you going to do with that? He responded with only one word that he could still say. Doom. End of chapter. Chapter 10. Doom and One-Sided Conversation. Ducking underneath the doorway leading into his home, the soldier tossed the detached arm into the corner, and Eld pounced on it happily, gnawing on it blissfully. Glancing around as she entered, Alice was halted as her shield snagged on the sides of the doorway and had to twist it sideways in order to walk in. Rotating back in a comfortable position, she looked around, raising an eyebrow as she did. You live here? The soldier shrugged. Doom wasn't exactly an appropriate response to that question. Thankfully, she seemed to pick up on that and waved her hands awkwardly. Right, sorry, is Doom really the only thing you can say? The soldier nodded in response, and she filed that information away thoughtfully. It's... Well, um, I'm used to a castle, so I honestly can't really judge it all that well, but it seems... functional? A good temporary base... Seating herself on a pile of dirt with a swivel, her shield on her lap, and pulled a clean rag from her knapsack, then started polishing its silver surface. Leaning against the wall, the soldier summoned his pump-action shotgun and started reloading it, sliding the red slunks into the underbelly in a smooth, repetitive motion. It was borderline therapeutic for him and was almost as satisfying as slaying demons endlessly. After he was done, he flipped it to a comfortable position and racked the slide with a loud click and grinned behind his helmet. A moment later, he realized that Alice was staring at him with a look of mild confusion and sat back down, dismissing the gun. Leaning over a shield, she pointed at him and asked, Why do you do that? Can't you reload it with magic? He nodded, and then her forehead scrunched together. Then why... Resummoning the shotgun, he placed the butt of the stock and the crook of his arm and racked it again. Her face spread into a slow smile, and then she shook her head, blinking. Whoa, yeah, I see why you do it manually. Why is this so satisfying? Grabbing it by the top of the barrel, the soldier tossed it over to her. She caught it and startled grasp, fumbling for a moment. Whoa, it's got some weight to it. Rotating it a few times, she observed it from the angles appreciating the curves. Glancing up at the soldier, she asked awkwardly, Um, do you mind if I, uh... He nodded silently, and she flipped it into her elbow, grinning. I don't know what it is about this weapon, but man, I really want to use it. What is it called? 
Retrieving it from her, the soldier sat back and stared down at her, face bobbing. She said irritably, Right, you can't talk. At least I know you can understand what I'm saying. There was a long silence as she went back to polishing her shield, rubbing a rag in its careful, experienced circles and ensuring that none of the crimson dirt that was so common in hell was sticking to it. Dismissing the shotgun, the soldier laced his bulky fingers behind his head and laid down. It wasn't five minutes before his knees started jogging up and down. He was aware of a faint squeaking sound on Alice's rag, the dull crunching of squishing of owls chewing on the disembodied arm, and the sound of far-off demons going about their daily lives. He couldn't take it. He was so used to constantly being on edge, locked in a perpetual war for who know how many years, that inactivity was practically insanity-inducing. Jumping to his feet, the soldier summoned his shotgun, then paused. He could use a different gun every now and then, after all. Allowing it to fade into blue smoke of energy, he thought for a moment. What was the gun that he could use reliably? One that would be good on both short and medium ranges. He didn't want one as bulky as the minigun, and the sniper rifle was a bit too cumbersome for indoor combat. After a moment's thought, a heavy weapon formed in his hands, the stout barrel poking out of the end of a thick foregrip, and a small spike protruding from the tip. The gun measured three and a half feet long. The stock was relatively short, but the rectangular magazine looked as though it could hold about 30, maybe 40 medium-caliber bullets. With the switch on the side to differentiate between safe, semi-automatic and fully automatic, the soldier was pleased to find that the heavy assault rifle appeared to be fully functional. Breaking the switch to full auto and making a mental note to seal it there, the soldier started heading out of the cave. And Alice glanced up, startled. Wait, you're leaving already. Why don't we wait for them to respawn first? The soldier stopped dead and pivoted on the dime, directing his incredulous stare at her. She backed away. It was remarkable how much expression could be conveyed even without her being able to see his face. What? What did I say? Facing towards her, he aimed a finger at her, and she tripped on her own words, backtracking as she did, leaving her ready, waiting for them to respawn. He jabbed his finger in her direction, and she asked frantically, Respawn? The respawning thing? Relaxing somewhat, she asked curiously, You, uh, you didn't know that demons respawn? He nodded vigorously, and she continued with slightly concerned smile. Yeah, this is hell. Even if demons die in the overworld, they're gonna come back here just fine to regroup and get their stuff back together. The soldier sat down, putting his heavy assault rifle in his lap and steepling his fingers under his chin. Apparently, his efforts hadn't been nearly as effective as he thought that they were. Clearly a bit worried, Alice leaned forward. Wait, you were trying to kill them permanently? The soldier nodded and her eyes widened. That's a terrible idea. Even if you managed to end them forever, the Nine would hunt you down. He stared at her and she frowned. What? The Nine? Blinking in realization, she asked incredulously. You don't know who the Nine are. How long have you been down here? Leaning down, the soldier drew four straight lines in the ground and then a question mark at the end. He wasn't totally sure how long he'd actually been in this new hull, but he figured it was around four days or so. He was pretty sure Handyman had mentioned it at some point, but now it was a bit less certain. Frowning, Addison squinted at the lines and then backed up at the soldier with a nonplussed expression. Four months? He shook his head, and she tried again. Weeks? Once again, he shook his head, and her shoulders slumped. 
There is no way that you've been down here for four days, right? He gave her a thumbs up and shot her head in her hands. You're a hero, aren't you? Why am I surprised? I should have guessed it earlier from the freaky armor and weird weapons. Yeah, makes sense. The soldier raised an eyebrow at his helmet and Alice righted herself, shaking her head. Well, uh, no time to worry about it. The Nine are the ruling force in hell. Aside from Satan, obviously, they consist of... Uh, she paused for a moment, frowning. I swear, I went over them a hundred times before I came down here. Give me a minute. Staring at the ceiling, she mouthed the word silently and then grinned. Right, got it. The nine sins are made up of pride, greed, wrath, envy, lust, jerry, gluttony, sloth, and uh, Karen. Who's the mother of greed? They're hands down the most powerful demons in all of hell, and it doesn't matter which region of it you're from, you've got to pay respects to them at some point. Here, in Brimstone, I'm pretty sure the sin here is, uh, envy, I think. The soldier nodded. It was incredibly valuable information. Standing, he hefted his assault rifle again, and she gasped. You're going out there again. Were you listening to anything I said? He had been listening quite attentively, instead of pointlessly killing demons that would keep coming back. He now had one objective. Get more levels until he acquired an ability that would let him kill them permanently, and then go after the nine, starting with envy. End of chapter. Chapter 11. You are all doomed. The soldier ran through the enormously fat demon at least 15 feet tall, shoving his shoulder through the meat of the enemy and erupting through the other side. The end result was the spray of gore thoroughly drenching the targets cowering behind it. The soldier didn't bother asking for surrender. He simply raised his shotgun. Congratulations, you have killed over 500 creatures under the race demon. As a result, your demon slayer perk has upgraded to demon murderer. Wiping the blood away from his visor, the soldier stared at the small board, wondering what difference it was supposed to make. He ended up in a smaller part of the city, where dingy little buildings loomed over the streets and alleys were full of demons. The soldier had promptly gotten to work exterminating them all and had gained 15 levels in the process. The rate was slowed down somewhat and its sharp increase in strength, speed and endurance was slowing as the curve leveled out, for lack of a better term. Here, the reddish building and jutting roofs made for excellent cover and weapons if need be. It was almost a playground for the soldier. Bouncing out from one of the alleyways, Eld was carrying the remains of what appeared to be a much smaller demon with stubby horns. Amazingly, the tiny demon was still alive, albeit a little shell-shocked. It was muttering gibberish under its breath, staring off into the distance wide-eyed. Rubbing Eld's head, the soldier pointed at the small demon and Eld's teeth tightened. The demon shrieked, screaming, Message for... Pop! The soldier's surprise, the small demon exploded under the hellhound's grip, and the giant dog blinked, dropping to the ground and pouring the worst of the gore away. Hey, doom guy, chew on this. The soldier turned around, just in time to get hit in the face. Staggering backwards, the soldier shook his head and squinted ahead. A series of explosions detonated right in front of him, and he was physically hurled backwards through a brick wall. Lying there for a moment, he heard several voices congratulating each other. Nice one, you nailed him. Yeah, that's what he gets for bothering everyone. You didn't even flinch from his spear perk. 
What's a fear perk? The soldier wondered as he got up. He was currently inside a small cloud of dust, boats of light twirling through the clouds. He didn't really understand. He killed them, right? He'd probably torn them to pieces, whether it be from the gun or bare hands, or maybe even that sword from a while back. He definitely spared no strength in ensuring their demise, whoever they were. If they respawned, then that meant that they knew who he was. The soldier came to an obvious conclusion soon enough. They did not fear him enough, so he would have to rectify that. Getting to his feet, he summoned his shotgun and paced through the dust cloud, loading it as he did. Raising the view in front of him, he saw a group of three demons, all of whom looked rather cocky. Striding forward, the middle one raised a hand and a spiraling ball of fire erupted from his palm and crashed into the soldier's visor. He'd been ready for it this time and didn't so much as flinch. The demon's confident smirk vanished and erased both hands, flames spewing from both of them. The soldier was implacable, moving onward and ignoring the flickers of liquid fire dropping from his armor. He continued to calmly load his shotgun, getting closer and closer. With a furious scream, the demon lunged forward and brought its claws upwards to try and stab the soldier. Sidestepping the attack, the soldier aimed the shotgun and blew the demon's arm off at the elbow. Collapsing in shock, the demon clutched the stump of its arm, staring at him in blank disbelief, then lifted its eyes to the soldier. Why do you keep killing us? Why don't you take damage? It stumbled to its feet, its face contorting in anger and fear. What are you? The soldier placed a hand on the demon's forehead, his fingers resting between the horns. Doom. The soldier replied simply, and then started squeezing. He saw the demon's ally's eyes widen and saw their hands raise and flames in two different colors sparking life in their palms. He witnessed the demon in his hand's incredible grip scrabble for the soldier's arm, trying to get his immovable grip off of his skull. The soldier increased the pressure further and a loud crack was audible to everyone nearby. The demon's eyes glazed over and went limp. The soldier wasn't done. Underneath his gloves, his knuckles whitened and he squeezed impossibly tighter. Something had to give and it wasn't the soldier. The gruesome pop and the demon's head scotched into the soldier's hand and he tossed the corpse aside. The demon's allies were frozen in shock, the fire in their hands sputtering out. Here, that, uh, that wasn't an attack. Looking at each other, the other demon said worriedly, he just, uh, returning their attention to the soldier. One of them said in wonder, what kind of demon are you? The soldier took a step forward, just one step, but it made both of them take a step back in response. The soldier grinned at his helmet. They might not be running in abject terror, but it was progress. Moving forward, the soldier picked up speed and the demons ran to meet him, bangs bared and claws at the ready. The soldier would have laughed if he was capable of it, hadn't they seen what he did to his comrade. Still, he would accept their free experience. And then, a silver barricade landed in front of him. At least, that's how it looked to the soldier, as the demons crashed into the barricade and he heard a grunt. He realized that it was Alice. Hey there, Doom. Looked like you could use some help. They practically bounced off the titanic silver shield, and Alice took full advantage of it, rushing forward. She slammed the rim of the rectangular shield on one of the demon's feet, and the demon screamed a few octaves higher than it had been speaking in earlier. 
The other one lunged forward, a quick swipe of its claws at Alice's head. Leaning backwards, that was a faint hiss as she barely avoided the strike, shoving her shield into the other demon and knocking it off balance. She stomped forward and kicked the attacker's knee, snapping it backwards. As the demon went down, shrieking in agony, she brought her own knee up to smash the demon's nose with it. The assailant was visibly lifted into the air, goblets of blood coming from the shattered nose, and Annas rammed it with her shield. As the one whose foot she'd slammed tried to attack her, she took the hit full on her shield and sprinted forwards, the demon's claws scraping on the surface of her shield. As she picked up speed, she let out a low grunt and almost jumped forward. The demon was practically squashed between her shield and the very solid building wall and collapsed to the ground, moaning. The soldier walked forward and Alice spun to face him, her face twisted in a strange expression that faded the moment she saw him, draining into one of embarrassment. Oh, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm so sorry. I, I don't know what I got into. He handed her his shotgun and she almost dropped it with shock. Staring at her for a moment, she raised her eyes to his. They were full of confusion. Aren't you mad? I went overboard. The soldier glanced at the demon, whose head was squeezed, and her attention was directed to it. Her eyes widened, and then she looked back at the shotgun, and then at the soldier. Her face split into a slow, uncertain grin. You, um, you're sure? He nodded confirmation, and she went back over to the demon with the broken nose slinging her massive shield onto her back. She raised the shotgun to her shoulder and aimed down as she'd seen the soldier do. The demon looked up, squinting through tears in its eyes. Please, don't, I'll lose levels. Come on, don't. She hesitated, glancing back at the soldier, and the demon lunged forward, fear in its eyes giving way to triumph. Instinctively, she pulled the trigger, and most of the demon's head disappeared in a spray of red. Clutching the shotgun two-handed to her chest, Alice stared at the decapitated demon and then spun to the soldier with a huge grin. That was awesome! Where can I get a weapon like this? I mean, uh, I felt a little guilty at first. He looked really scared, and I thought, oh, he's terrified of me. And then he lunged, and I was like, blam! And his head was just gone. That was the coolest thing I've ever done. Please, let me borrow some more of those. The soldier grinned behind his helmet. He'd always known he wasn't the only one who enjoyed the job. At least, he'd finally met one for himself. And, yes, he had every intention of getting her more guns if it meant that he'd have backup or metting out extra damage. End of chapter. Chapter 12. Doomprovements. On our way back to the cave, the soldier was almost happy. For the most part, at least, there was still an undercurrent of rage carefully sibling far beneath the emotionless veneer of his helmet provided. But it was far better than exterminating races that wanted him dead and albeit marginal assistance to someone else. Pausing for a moment, he turned sideways and Alice ground to a halt. Doom? What is it? One of the smaller demons sprang out from the window, teeth bared and claws exposed. The soldier didn't bother with any firearms, reaching up, grabbing the demon by its horns and by its waist, and then putting it half with a loud squelch. Turning back around, he was mildly startled to see a morbidly excited expression on Alice's face, one which she blinked away with no small amount of embarrassment. Putting her heavily gauntleted hands over her rapidly reddening face, I'm sorry, 
That was not the appropriate response to seeing something that gruesome. Giving her a shrug, the soldier continued on, but was interrupted by a blue board. Congratulations for slaying a frankly stupid number of demons in less than a week. You're absolute freak of nature. You have eventually attained level 50. Creator suit is now evolving, and you may select one perk for both your suit and yourself. The soldier sensed a strange glow as his armor lit up. The seams and cracks shining like molten lava. Slowly growing a bit, the soldier ended up around the seven feet tall, a good six inches taller than Alice, and his armor had darkened. Raising his gauntlet, he examined it carefully, and he had his suit for, well, a decade at the very least, and he'd grown extremely attached to it, almost literally. The blue board showed up next as he squinted at it. Please select creator suit perk, Doomblade. This eternally sharp sword is permanently mounted to your left forearm and is both sharp enough and tough enough to cut through even the worst demon's hide like a bullet through rice paper. It'll not stop, it'll not cease, and will likely end the lives of every enemy within its reach. War Grapple This cabled and fabled projectile is mounted to your right arm and can be launched by a specialized attachment included with this perk. Its spikes are strong enough to punch through the toughest of materials, and Cable is more than capable of supporting both your weight and any elephants you might want to bring along. The soldier examined both perks thoughtfully. He could think of a variety of uses for both, but which one would be more advantageous? He could use the blade for close quarters for devastating effect. He was sure of that. He could always tear his enemies into his bare-handed, but that took time and he could better be spending turning faces into craters. The sword would definitely speed up those close-range process. On the other hand, the grapple would be a powerful mobility option and he could almost see using it to get close and personal with the heads of larger demons, specifically the 20-foot fleshy ones. A shotgun would pair with both quite well. Making his decision, he punched both of them at the same time, and the board flickered uncertainly. You cannot pick two perks at the same time. He punched them again. The corners of the board glitched in a panic. You literally can't pick the... Flexing his hands, the soldier firmly placed his palms on the option, and the board gave way. How in the Terracot's name do you threaten a system? How does that work? Oh, whatever. That take the perks, you monster. We both know you don't need either of them. Both of the soldiers' arms lit up with a volcanic glow, metal distorting to form into two stubby shapes on his forearms. With a grin, the soldier raised one arm and squeezed his fist. A dual-edged blade four feet long sprang from his left forearm. Relaxing his grip, the blade retracted and the soldier once again wished that he could laugh. He didn't want to try and grapple in such close quarters, though. All right, now that you've been done making me scared to ask, what perks do you want for yourself? Explosive munitions. Ever want to see what would happen if you shoved a few packages of highly concentrated explosives down a golem's throat? Well, now you can with the explosive munitions perk. Summon any and all kinds of hand grenades, strip mines, landmines, clay malls, and who the heck cares what else? Blow it all to smithereens for all you care. Boosted physique. Ever felt like you weren't strong enough, fast enough, tough enough? That ends today, assuming you pick this perk. This perk will enhance the physical stats gains you receive from leveling by 25%, which will result in a total stat gain of 25 points per level. 
The soldier rubbed his helmeted chin thoughtfully, then smashed both of his fists on both options. This time, however, the boards flickered and then disappeared, replaced by a purple one. No! You know what? No. Do you want a grappling hook? Fine. Take the grappling hook. Do you want a super sword? Okay. Why not? But under no circumstances will you be allowed to employ two class perks at the same time. Shrugging, the soldier selected explosive munitions perk. He had a feeling it wouldn't have worked twice, and it was significantly harder to threaten something with the genuine bone-rattling fury simmering inside of him when the target was actually being incredibly helpful. The boards flickered out of sight, and the soldier felt a small knowledge blooded into his mind. Glancing down, he raised a hand, and a standard frag grenade appeared in his palm. Looking around, he pulled the pin. There was really no reason for him to cause any further damage at this point. But, uh, it was a grenade. What else was he supposed to do with it? Not blow something up. Tossing it through the window, the soldier waited for a short moment, and Alice frowned. What was that? Why did you toss the ball into the... All the windows on the building blew out as a majority of the top floor was decimated, the shingles on the roof coming loose and raining down in a sharp hail of rock. The soldier grinned even wider. There were a lot of things he could do with a few grenades. Creative things, strategic things, things that would make even the toughest, biggest demons that he'd seen in this hell cry for their mommies, if they had any. This was how someone like the soldier could have some fun. End of chapter. Chapter 13. Thinking of Doom. Gellerak needed his temples, his eyes closed as he tried to suppress a building headache. In front of him, Gallofek nervously waited for his reaction, rocking back and forth on his scaled heels. Um, he goggled questioningly, is everything okay? Gellerak very slowly rose his head and looked at Gallofek, placing his palms on the desk as he did. Is everything okay? Gallofrak bobbed his head nervously and Gellerak rose to his feet, carefully pushing the chair back. Is everything okay? You are aware that you just gave me the information that not only is quite possibly the most dangerous individual Hal has ever seen still alive and thriving, and that he intends to use his abilities for the sole purpose of annihilating every demon in existence, but uh, that he's teamed up with the bloody paladin... Thinking for a moment, Gallifrak nodded again, and Gallifrak's expression darkened. The imp immediately began shaking his head violently, and Gallifrak collapsed back into his chair. By all the angels, Gallifrak, you've got to be the stupidest thing that I've ever met. The imp winced. Bringing angels into the mix was a bad idea for most often than not, and he was sure that Gallifrak was more than aware of the fact. Hopefully, he asked, We could kill him? Gellerak glared at him. Can we? In all seriousness, you two-horned excuse for a flying trash can. Can we? He was killed more than a hundred demons with his bare hands, and who knows how many with those strange weapons he has. At this point, I would be surprised if he turned out to be immortal. Backtracking, Gellerak said confidently, We can ask Envy. The secretary snorted loudly. Envy? Since when has Envy given filthy piece of crap about the happens here? So long as she can sit in her hoard and watch the overworld for any news about new trinkets, she won't get involved. 
No, we need is a plan that doesn't involve her, or any of the nine, preferably. The odds are good that they'd be destroying most of Brimstone in the process. Gallifleck frowned, then tried. Make him leave. Gallifleck rolled his eyes, picking up a single die and tossing it between his long, delicate fingers. And how would you suggest that? It's an ideal option, of course, but it's not as though we can talk to Doomguy. He's ripped anyone that tried to pieces. The imp's head was beginning to hurt. Get him? Gellarek flinched noticeably, squeezing a single die in his left hand as he closed his eyes, gripping the desk with his right hand hard enough to leave marks and turn his pointy knuckles white. Gellarek, I truly believe that sometimes your stupidity scares me. How have you survived this long? Gellarek stood up proudly, died a lot, then died in front of Quagathrak. He likes me. Shish, I make him feel smarter by existing. Uh, the secretary huffed amusedly, muttering, Yes, I can't imagine that. I don't suppose that you have any more ideas rolling around in that brickhead? Kalofek saluted happily, the insult making a low whistle as it went over his head. Yes, slave him! Gellarek had just taken a sip of somewhat sludgy drink in the mug, proclaiming his status as Howl's best secretary, when Kalofek said the words, and he promptly spat it onto the imp's startled face. As the unperturbed Calafec began gladly licking the bittersweet drink off his face, Gellarek leaned forward. Do you have any idea of how bad of an idea that is? He's human. Can you imagine the havoc he'd wreak if he saw the human trafficking, the gladiatorial arenas? He'd level brimstone in an hour. Calafec finished cleaning his head off and returned his attention to Gellarek. Shari, watch. Staring blankly at the imp, Gellarek breathed in an unsteady inhalation of air. Then he considered screaming, probably very loudly. The soldier was extremely happy. As the mob of desperate demons sprinted towards him, he yanked the pin of the grenade and shoved the pin through the chin of one of them, lifting the enemy bodily into the air and the grenade pin thoroughly embedded into the demon's mouth. The soldier hurled it at the crowd. Turning, he seized one of the smaller ones and shoved the grenade down its throat, then tossed it into the fray. The explosion came a moment later and the bodies went flying. Behind his helmet, the soldier beamed. Kaboom! Alice sailed over the soldier's head with an enormous grin on her face, a colossal shield strapped to her left arm and a semi-automatic shotgun in her right hand. Lowering her shoulder, she sprinted forwards with a shield, literally crashing everything in her path and blasting everything that wasn't in her path. Extending her brand new blade and mounted on her left forearm, the soldier fired the grappling hook from his right and the razor claws sank deep into the torso of one of the larger demons, a fireball sputtering out of existence in his palms as it tried to extract the metal. Crossing his feet, the soldier twisted and brought his arm over his head, and the grappling hook tautened instantly. Soaring through the air, the demon managed to surprise its expression before the soldier cut it in half. The soldier almost laughed, but the sound died in his throat, and he ended up coughing instead. Shaking it away with a slight tinge of disappointment, the soldier paced onwards. The blood was almost dead his shins now, and he wanted more. One of the medium-sized demons, the one with the long horns and claws that liked to hurl fireballs, lunged at him, and he grabbed it by the throat, placing his other hand between its spiraling horns. The soldier ripped the demon's head off, 
and the body collapsed to the ground. Spewing blood, the soldier appraised the decapitated head. It was in a pretty good condition as far as he was concerned. Maybe he'd keep this one. Shrugging, he tossed it aside. There was something he wanted to try. Raising his hands, he summoned a minigun and dismissed it instantly, focusing on the image in his mind. The soldier concentrated and felt a sudden dip in the strange energy at the back of his head. Gray sparks and light began forming in his hands, spreading outwards and forming a familiar shape, one he'd used a long time ago. A bulky area under his left hand, a dense steel handle curved into his palm as a trigger nudged against his right thumb. Three long cylinders took its place, each one with three barrels. All nine of them were secured with a pair of metal circles holding them in place. The soldier's arms barely dipped at the immense weight hit him. The soldier grinned. Now this was a chain gun. Holding down the trigger, the soldier checked the street counter in the top right of his HUD. Currently, he was at 149. That was probably going to keep him going for a while. This thing ate bullets like a bull at a salad buffet. The barrel started spinning up and the ground started to rattle. The cough, deep blood shaking and undulating as the horrendous clanking noises made itself heard. With the barrel of a shotgun shoved in the mouth of one of the smaller demons, Alice turned and laughed maniacally. <laughs> I want one! The soldier opened fire and basically everything in front of him for a good 200 feet was sawed in half by the streaming rain of bullets that erupted from the already red-hot barrels of the chattering chain gun. He could feel his bones rattling from endless fire all the way from his boots to his teeth, but he was having too much fun to stop. He was having too much fun to ever stop. End of chapter Chapter 14 Here comes the doom It was a sea of blood and the soldier couldn't be happier. Literally covered from head to toe in gore and various body parts, the demon skull splattered on his helmet with most of the bones sticking out. The soldier was on top of the world. Well, technically he was underneath it, but the comparison still held true even considering his situation. After he'd summoned the chain gun, the demons had been mowed down with all the efficiency and speed of... Uh, well, there wasn't much that could be compared to. The soldier had more than plenty experience when it came to accurately eliminating ridiculously massive crowds of enemies. But even that wasn't what he was happy about. Alice was wandering around with his shotgun one-handed, checking for survivors... Initially, she'd been reluctant to end the lives of mostly disabled demons, but then one of them had singed her blonde hair with a fireball. Very little mercy had been dispensed after that. None, in fact. The soldier was glad to see her view on how the treat demons maturing from when he'd first met her. She still had considered their lives to be almost equal to hers. That perspective was pretty much dead at this point, much like her enemies. In the case of the soldier, was indescribably happy because he had hit level 75 and the handyman perk had something for him. Just the perk he needed, in fact. Congratulations on hitting level 75. It's still been less than a week, you freak show. You may select between two class-exclusive perks. Consider this generosity after the last time. I'm just saying, you could maybe threaten me a bit less. I'm not giving you both perks no matter what, alright? Mayhem Momentum 
This book, similar to Blood of Thy Enemies, is based on how much blood you have made contact with. It improves your physical attributes by one point for each enemy that you have slain in close range. Bathing in the blood of your enemies will improve the perk for an hour, refreshing every time you take another bloodbath. Get it? But this is nullified if you shower or bathe in anything that isn't blood. Genocide. Ever want to just end an entire species? With genocide you can. This one-use perk allows you to specify a given race against which you gain 10% resistance across the board, not to mention a 15% increase in stabbing, shooting, and bludgeoning damage. These boosts will only apply to the enemies of that fall under the perk's designated umbrella, however. Note, enemies killed under the genocide perk have their souls sealed in their bodies, resulting in partial permadeath. Bet you're gonna have a hard time picking between these, huh? They're both legendary perks. This is what you get for messing with the system, you absolute monster. Please don't hurt me, it was a joke. You'd have to have the handyman perk explained in a little more detail, and Alfred the perk obliged. Evidently, respawning involves severing one's soul connection from the body and putting the soul to a safe location, where a body was constructed for mana. The process wasn't that different from the soldier's method of summoning his weapons. Genocide would make it so that whenever he killed an enemy under the species specification, the souls would be bound to their bodies instead of being severed. Technically speaking, they could still be resurrected and have their souls unbound, but they would have to have the majority of their body parts still intact. That might have been an issue for most. Thankfully, the soldier wasn't in the habit of leaving much behind. Reaching a handout, he selected genocide, and a board blipped pleasantly. Good choice. Select the species you wish to render extinct. With a forceful thought, the soldier gave its response. All right, then. The species known as uh, demons will be rendered as the sole target of your unending wrath. Are you sure of this decision? It is irrevocable. Please note that demons refers exclusively to a subspecies of Halsborn and does not cover imps, arc demons, blue ogres, and disasters. The soldier's index finger paused an inch away from the button, and he let out an inaudible sigh of relief. That was close. Focusing his attention on the board, he revised his decision. All right then, the species known as Halsborn will be rendered the sole target of your unending wrath. Are you sure of this decision? It is irrevocable. The soldier's finger crashed down on the Y button hard enough to crack the board, and it dissipated with a somewhat rickety blip. A moment later, the soldier felt a surge of newness. Looking down at his hand, the soldier clenched it into a fist. He wasn't sure how he knew. It was more of a second sense than anything else, but he knew that demons that he slew from this point would stay dead. He'd have to ask Alice to only maim her enemies, or at least the demonic ones. He hadn't put much thought towards what would happen if or when he made it to Earth's equivalent of this universe. He knew that it existed, presumably. Alice was from there and she called it the Overworld. He had the vaguest of memories of blue skies, but there was no way to be sure that this world would have blue skies in their version of Earth. As was far as he knew, it could have been similar to Mars. Alice shouted, distracting him. Whoa, Doom! Look at Ald! Glancing over, the soldier saw Ald drop something stiffening and recently mauled corpse of the demon. 
Her head was shaking a bit, a low whimper coming from her as she dropped to the ground, her tail swishing through the blood and making waves. Waiting over to her, the soldier put a hand on her forehead and she whined in response. Her head felt unhealthily hot and was actually steaming from the heat. The soldier was far from panicking. He'd lost the capacity to do so some time after slaying his first monster on Earth from the invasion from hell. There wasn't much point losing coherency, even though he was sincerely worried about his giant pet dog. Whoa, your pet is evolving. It appears she dislikes the option currently set out for her and is resulting in significant amounts of pain. Is there anything you'd like to say to her? The soldier patted her head of where Alice as she splashed over to him, a concerned expression on her face. Rubbing out softer, the soldier leaned close and whispered into her ear, Doom. He had very little sentiment left in him. It was the result of endless years gunning down demons all on his own, with only the rage and the knowledge that he was single-handedly keeping humanity safe from keeping him company. Despite that, Harold was his first companion that he'd had that he could remember in years, and she'd stuck with him in spite of the more or less unending massacre that he'd brought to the table. Slight in sentiment that he might be, but he still had a marginal amount left in the tank. It was that fraction of sentiment that made its way through the otherwise seriously intimidating word, and Al grabbed a hold of it like a lifeline, growling as she got to her feet, her head vibrating rapidly at this point. Standing back, the soldier pulled Alice back to give Al some space. The hellhound howled at the sky as she did her head split in half and quickly fixing itself as her shoulders broadened. At the same time, bulky brown armor formed on the dog's shoulders and upper back, leaving her tail end and legs bare. The two halves of her head were now two heads, one with small white spot on its left ear and the other matching a spot on its right. Several plates of dense-looking armor crawled up both heads' necks, extending to the sides of her jaws and wrapping part of the way around her foreheads. Shaking herself, Ald examined her other head, which was experimentally sniffing the new armor. Facing forwards, the soldier raised both hands, and the dog dogs shoved their heads into his palms, happily licking at his gloves. Wow, your Hellhound hit level 100 and evolved into Ulthra's Creator variant. Your insanity is starting to seep into my creatures. I'm going to set up some apocalypse bunkers for all the species I want to survive. And I'm not telling you where they are. End of chapter. Chapter 15. To Doom or Not to Doom. Alice was practically bouncing with excitement, her armor jiggling a bit as she jogged in place on her bent heels, knees folded at the joint as she waited, glancing at the soldier. She asked with a massive grin, So, um, when do we start? I want to get going. Oh, and the second head, who the soldier had eventually decided to name Isabella, was crouched behind them, tail wagging fiercely and giving a low growl of agreement. The soldier raised one first, signaling her to stay quiet, and swept his vision over the stadium. They'd made their way into one of the small areas designed for battling creatures, and were far enough back that he could see everything without being seen. The demons were holding a gigantic meeting of some kind, and the stands were packed full. Nervous monsters muttered at each other inaudibly, and a low buzz of conversation sweeping around the arena. Most of them 
were in the medium-grade demons, the red-skinned ones with curved horns and lean physiques. But there were a few of the tiny ones. The smaller ones had little nubs in the tops of their head and a perpetually dazed expression, as though someone had bashed them on the forehead with a piece of metal or something. Needless to say, the soldier was extremely ready for this, if not perhaps a little too ready. He had spent most of his past hour summoning the very specific time of sticky brick and placing them all around the stadium at strategic points, and had put over 200 of them in supporting beams of the arena. One tap from the trigger and, uh, well, he was looking forward to it. A lot. But for the moment, he was waiting as more demons showed up. Filtering in either through the open-air seating of the arena, the half-mile crimson stalactites had made up the ceiling barely visible from the distance, or from the gaping entrances. At one point, he'd thought about bombing the stalactites and destroying the whole city in one go, but he wasn't sure it would be count as him killing them, and more specifically, if it would allow genocide to do its thing. If he had, it would have put them in a high alert. Well higher alert, and he didn't want to garner that attention or anything too powerful just yet. A 25-foot-tall creature walked into the center of the arena, bipedal and painfully thin. With extraordinarily pale skin and severely depressed features, the thing wore a too-small thin-striped suit and a ridiculously lanky body and tilted boulder hat. Its fingers, laced behind its back, were disproportionately long and featured stiff claw tips instead of fingernails. The soldier squinted at it curiously. Hadn't he seen that thing before? Alice sucked in a sharp breath and the soldier turned his attention towards her. She was staring hard at the tall creature, an intense expression on her face. Pardon the language, but darn! That's Torin. He's almost on a level of one of the sins. We're gonna have to pull back for now. Figure out a new, uh... What are you doing? She hissed at the last part as he crept forward, keeping his eyes on the creature. Torin, or whatever his name was, he didn't really care. Looking shockingly tired and possibly a little bored, Torin spoke in a slow voice. Hello, esteemed demons of Brimstone. I welcome you all to this meeting regarding the creature known as... Doom Guy. The soldier was a little surprised. They were having a meeting all about him. And how did they know that the only thing he could say was doom? A low rumble of anxious conversation swept the stadium, interrupting Torin, and his forehead creased as a strange aura emanating from him that made Alice break into a visible sweat and made Ald whimper. The soldier was, for whatever reason, completely unaffected. I am speaking, demons. Know your place. They shut up. Relaxing somewhat, Doran straightened again, then slumped back into his perpetually haunched back stance. As I was saying, we are here to talk about the Doom Guy, and most specifically how we might get rid of him. Gellerect, please state your business. A bespeckled demon stood, a clipboard tucked under his arm, and coughed loudly in the silence that followed. Ah, yes, <clears throat> the aptly named Doom Guy is incredibly tough, fast, and strong. He seems to have no sense of mercy whatsoever, and appears to genuinely enjoy killing us by the hundreds. Despite having arrived an exact total of 6 days, 33 hours, and 47 minutes ago, his presumably low level has skyrocketed. Using long-range scan and appraisal abilities, 
we have estimated his current level to be somewhere in the 70s. A different kind of silence fell on the crowd, one that had left them shocked into silence. The soldier was interested in spite of himself, but he had a job to do and he was hardly going to be polite under the circumstances. Bracing himself, he gave Alice a thumbs up. She glanced at him in terror. What? No, no, we can't go ahead. That's Torin. The massacre at Edisburg. The killing of Kavashal. We don't stand a chance. The soldier repeated the gesture, this time a little aggravated, and her eyes widened, sputteringly quieting for a moment. Her shoulders slumped and she gave in. Fine. Allied bulwark. A shining yellow dome appeared around them, glittering and transparent. According to Alice, it was a special feature of a shield, one that essentially would block all incoming damage. Before Gellerect could continue speaking, Torrin's grey eyes narrowed as his head turned to look in their direction. Wait. The soldier, was also previously stated, was not nearly polite enough to let him finish whatever he had been about to say, and he just clicked the small red button on the detonator. Approximately 230 packs of concentrated explosives, all of which had been summoned via explosive munitions and connected to a remarkably helpful remote detonator that had come with the first one, exploded simultaneously, sending a little over 2 million kilojoules worth of sheer destructive energy straight up. The stands and every demon currently seated on them were basically liquefied as a gout of fire and boiling hot air erupted in a nearly perfect circle taking the entirety of the stadium with it in a colossal detonation of pure boom. The shockwave blasted up and outwards, leveling what was left of the outside auditorium and knocking the walls out, chunks of rubble crashing into the now permanently vacant houses and shops below. The soldier had a gigantic grin on his face, notification streaming in faster than he could read them. As Alice pulled her dome down, the yellow glow flickered unsteadily as it dissipated back into her. The moment the dome was down, she nearly collapsed, using her shield to support herself and the golden eye embossed over the silver surface of the shield dimming. Held shoved her head underneath her spare arm and Isabel nuzzling her back, the soldier patted her shoulder, standing slowly. He doubted anything would have survived that. By the way that Alice had been talking about the skinny demon, he had a feeling that, yeah, yep, there he was. Utterly uninjured and obviously displeased, Torrin was standing in the exact same place that he had been, arms gently folded across his chest. The new guy, do you have the slightest idea how much of an inconvenience you've been to me, the size of the thorn you represent? It's going to take quite a while for all these demons to come back, and even longer to rebuild the arena of joy. Watching those beasts murder each other was one of my favorite hobbies. Do you know that? The soldier pulled out the double-barreled shotgun from nowhere, pacing forward and giving Torin a thumbs down. Torin's forehead creased. What exactly do you mean by a... Ah, you've discovered a method of permanently slaying us demons. Why am I not surprised? There was no visible moment when Torin moved. One moment he was standing a good 300 feet away, and the next second he was standing right next to the soldier. Bending down, the demon curled its claws into a fist and punched the soldier. The impact shattered the ground underneath both of them, and the soldier sailed over Brimstone, his view spinning as it careened through empty space. He was pretty sure he'd broken a rib, but he'd taken far worse hits. 
Managing to right himself, he bent his knees and crashed into the distant wall near the ceiling, making a crater big enough to comfortably fit several houses in. Shaking his head, the soldier glanced down at his side. The mend had been instant. Whatever streak he was on, the counter was blasting upward faster than he could see it, and it was making him pretty much unkillable. At least however long it lasted. He thought quickly, if he was currently level, no. That was climbing too rapidly as well as experience points were slain demons flooded in. He passed 130 at least, so he assumed that it was close enough. In other words, a little over two minutes. He had a little over two minutes to take the thing down if he wanted to hold the advantage. Tensing, he jumped out of the crater in the wall and fired his grappling hook at a stalactite, clenching the muscles in his arms and back. He twisted and pulled in one motion, and he shot off like a bullet from a gun. It was hard to track how fast he was moving, but he was heading straight for the decimated arena again, and he clenched his fist. Narrowing his eyes, he carefully spread his arms and legs out, angling himself and changing his trajectory slightly to gain more accuracy. A split second, he had a split second view of Torrent two feet away from him before he punched landed, and he felt his arm shatter. Like before, it fixed itself instantly, and he rolled to a stop, getting to his feet and summoning the chain gun. Torrent's head had been imploded from the force and was pulling back into the correct shape like putty. This time, his teeth were jutting out of his jaw like needles, and his eyes were growing larger as he bent his lanky body into a haunched shape. Claws curled viciously. The soldier opened fire with a chain gun and felt his bones rattle from the force. Doran's body began bending unnaturally as it dodged the bullets, swerving back and forth and at times seeming to vanish from existence as he avoided the screaming chunks of magic lead. A vibrating hiss emanated from the demon. You annoy me, cops! turning his entire body into a single half-moon and spiraling around the soldier's cone of fire. The demon crawled with lightning speed across the ground and raised its razor-sharp claws in an upward stab, puncturing the soldier's armor and lifting him into the air with a victorious grin. Except the soldier had an equally smug grin at his face, and even his blood red ran down the exterior of his armor, he raised a double-barreled shotgun to Torrent's face. He blasted the demon in the face, and Torrin retreated with a rising shriek of pain, dropping the soldier and putting his claws back with a dull schlick. Stumbling backwards, the demon scrapped for his own face with a moan of agony. Rising to his feet, the soldier strode forward, the stab wound healing, and jumped onto Torrin's torso. The demon lashed out blindly, his gouged eyes useless under the circumstances. And the soldier bent back, avoiding them easily. Leaning forward, the soldier extended the doom blade and stabbed Torrin in the face. The scream went even higher as the soldier's arm pistoned into the demon's head, reducing it to a bloody pulp in less than a minute. Torrin's claws struck upwards, but due to the inaccuracy, failed to cut through the soldier's armor again. His scream gradually died as the soldier continued with all the inexorable fatality of death itself, and ended with a slight whimper. Standing back, chest heaving, the soldier smiled. The demon's head had been utterly destroyed, a soggy red crater of wet flesh making up his face as his bloody body twitched uncontrollably. Doom! 
The surprised the soldier advanced. Then Torin's decimated head turned to him. Why? What? What is your objective? Alice approached somber at the realization that the demon was well and truly on his way to a final death. No matter how much she might have hated and feared the demon, it was pitiful to see such a powerful being reduced to a shivering wreck. Torin! He can only say one rrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrr
Not bothering to find a glass, he flicked the cork and drank heavily. Slamming the bottle on the desk, he summoned a piece of paper and a quill, hands trembling as he began scratching out an urgent message. He couldn't believe that it had come to this, and especially couldn't believe that he was sending a letter to the King of Hell himself. Your Majesty, we need help now. There is a human here who can permanently kill demons, and all of Brimstone is empty from his work. I suspect that his next objective will be to kill Envy. While I once would have thought that this would have been impossible to kill her, I firmly believe that this human might do so. I beg your assistance in this scenario, my lord. Even Torin has fallen to the human's might. Signing this with a flourishing signature, Gellarek raised his air and cast the message spell, hoping that it would arrive in time. For the moment, he just needed to get to a different city. Brimster was no longer safe for anything, much less demons, and his work would be appreciated elsewhere. He only put his chair, his fireplace, and his beloved wall clock in his inventory and used teleport. He never saw Brimstone again. The soldier was going after Envy. The huge, elegant building half a mile away was colossal, enormous statues of armored women and eight corners of a massive dome in the center. With several twisting spires jutting up from the sides, it was an overall rather intimidating appearance, and the soldier was excited. Moving her shield over her shoulder, Alice stared wide-eyed at the construction. That's, um, that's Envy's home. I don't think Doom. Doom, do you know how dangerous Envy is? She's not one of the sins for no reason. I mean, sure, she's technically the weakest, but that still ranks her above at least 200 million demons. The soldier grunted in response, switching out his blood-splattered shotgun for a shining chain gun. Blinking, he suddenly remembered that he hadn't yet checked for his new perks after passing level 150, and reached out for the blue boards and handyman's attention. Nothing happened. Rounding, the soldier held out a hand and focused solely on the helpful perk, but still nothing happened. What's going on? Why? Hello there! All three of them, four if you counted Isabel, whipped around to see the demon standing before them. He was tall, a little over nine feet, and his brown horns spiraled neatly over his head. An ornate golden crown and glaring red eyes instead of gemstones decorated his head, underneath which a pair of amused golden eyes sparkled. He wore an excellently fitted black suit, a crimson undershirt, and pants ruffled casually at the ends despite the backward-facing knees and cloven hooves. The soldier didn't hesitate. He was already holding a chain gun, and all he had to do was open fire. Raising it to level it at the demon's head, he pulled the trigger. Once again, nothing happened. The demon chuckled, and a voice like Velvet. Don't bother. I've set up a mana disruption field. None of your abilities will work here. That was a little disturbing, but the soldier launched himself forward, throwing a thunderous punch. The air around it screamed with a force built an impeding wall of death, approaching the demon's head at unbelievable speed. The demon caught the punch. Alice sucked in her breath, pulling her shield around her arm. That's doomed, that's uh The demon smiled, a line of triangular teeth making themselves seen. Satan, yes, friends call me Lucifer, and most call me the devil, but you can call me Satan. The soldier struggled to remove his fist from the devil's iron grip, but couldn't move at all. He might as well have had a mountain sitting on his arm. 
Raising his other hand, he struck forward in an attempt to grab the demon's head, and the arm was caught too. Standing back, Satan's arms detached, floating midair still holding onto the soldier's grip. A flawless pair of arms replaced him without a noticeable difference, and he began talking in an amused tone. You know, you interest me quite a bit. Truly, you do. Why do you despise demons so much? Why do you enjoy slaying them? What exactly is a young woman doing down here? The soldier inadvertently glanced at Alice. She was incredibly pale, the blood having drained from her face, and the soldier's eyes narrowed. Why was she in hell? Satan shrugged. Ah, well, I'm not one to mess with your fun. I'm curious to see if you'll actually eradicate every demon in hell, if I'm honest. Either way, I would like to hold on to envy a little longer. He waved pleasantly at them both. Bye. And they were in a calm, grassy meadow, the sun shining far above them and a blue sky dotted with puffy white clouds. End of chapter. Chapter 17. Far away. Their rogue dove for cover behind a thick oak tree, a fireball streaking past him and exploding. Crap, where are these guys coming from? Next to him, a wraith-like alpha sassad appeared in a puff of smoke, a pair of curved knives in her hands. Well, we are hunting them down. A second fireball lit up an area behind them, searing into the air as it scorched the ground. The singeing tips of the grassy carpet waved wildly as it did, and the rogue winced. Though, seriously, where these guys come from, I mean, we were hunting them, not the other way around. She shrugged evenly. There is no point in crying over spilled milk, Jonas. Let's just kill them and collect the reward. They both turned to the heavily armored figure leaning against the tree, who was ready to squat weapon, a short barrel poking from the end of a dimly lit blue icon just above the main handle. Loading it with a small black cartridge, the figure turned to them and nodded silently. Jonas grinned. Well, that's the all clear. Whether they're attacking or not, we're good to go. They rolled out from the tree, pulling their recurve bows in full drawer and aiming carefully. In front of them, six black-robed majors prepared fireballs bigger than their heads and hurled them in mass, a veritable wall of flames hurtling towards them at incredible speed. Sprinting out in front of them, the armored figure slid into the stop and punching the ground. A glaringly bright blue field appeared around the dull green armor, and he froze as it happened. The fireballs screamed towards him, hit the field, and exploded. Instead of bothering to worry about him, the assassin and Jonas ran around the trees trying to use the smoke as cover to get a better position. As the sharp smoke cleared, the figure walked through, aiming down the sights of his weapon and pulled the trigger. Sharp bursts of fire began to systematically erupt from the barrel of the weapon, and the enemy mages were forced to pull mana shields up to counter the fire. One of them wasn't fast enough and he went down with a spurt of blood. Swinging the weapon around and putting it on his back, the figure replaced it with a small handle. The mages weren't entirely sure what he was doing, but they increased the strength of the shields just to be safe. It was a good move. The figure flicked the switch somewhere on the handle, and two mirrored blades of purple-blue light swept from the sides, forming a sort of teardrop shape with the empty space in the middle to accompany the figure's hand. Sprinting forward, the figure tapped into some unknown skill. The twin jets of purple appeared on his shoulder blades, sending him rocketing forward at an unbelievable speed. 
Raising the strange sword, he sliced downward and neatly cut a shield in half, along with the person behind it. Spinning, he managed to take down two more of the mages before they teleported a short distance away, panting heavily. Jonas and the assassin slid to a stop next to the armored figure, and Jonas grinned at him. Man, this is way easier with John around. The figure barely gave him a glance. When we're in the field, I'm the chief. Got it? He gave him a cocky nod. Yeah, I know. So what's the plan? Shooty shoot and stabby stab? The assassin sighed. Jonas, you're an adult. He beamed at her. A piker, that means I can do whatever I want. John raised his scornful fist. And what are they doing? The two mages were frantically casting a spell on the ground, red circles, inscribed runes carving itself into the dirt and streaming with mana. Jonas's eyes widened. Oh crap, that's a summoning circle! Piker's eyes narrowed. Not just a normal circle either. They're summoning a demon! Jonas snapped his head towards her. What? John, I mean chief. Oh, whatever, take him out before they can finish. John swapped the sword for a strange weapon again. The blades vanished and it was too late. The circle glowed a vibrant red and a pair of intimidating horns rose from it, a pair of closed eyes following it. The demon rising from the circle was huge, easily twelve feet tall, and the curved battle axe it clutched in one clawed hand could probably slice through any of the trees in the forest in one swipe. Bloody red eyes opened slowly. The demon spoke in a terrifyingly deep voice, rumbling like gravel as it said, I am the demon Gagan. Pathetic heap. The sentence was finished with an uncharacteristically high shriek of terror as the demon saw John, and it physically jumped back. Glancing at the two mages who had summoned it, it hissed, Never summon me again. Raising a hand to its head, it proceeded to blow its own face off with a compact explosion. Jonas and Piker were frozen in confused shock. John wasn't. Two rapid bursts of fire later, the majors were down, and they approached their slumped bodies. Scratching the back of his head, Jonas asked, What the heck was that? John's eyes narrowed behind a reflected yellow visor, and he raised a hand, palm facing upwards. A flickering three-dimensional image of a woman appeared above his palm, glowing lines running up her body to her short hair that usually amused eyes, which were presently tensed with worry. Any ideas, chief? John stared at the smoking corpse of the demon, his brains running rapidly. No, but I have a feeling we're not alone here. Cortana, run whatever you can to find anyone that might look like another Spartan. We might have company. She glanced up at him with a worried expression. Do you think any of the other Spartans ended up here? It was, uh, so long ago. John shrugged imperceptibly. I don't know, Cortana. He turned his vision to the circle seared in the ground, but I think we're gonna find out. End of chapter... Chapter 18, Doom and the Doober The soldier smashed his fists into the ground, a massive crater forming from the hit and sending dust several hundred feet into the air. And he screamed in an aimless rage. Every living thing for about two miles raised its head at the sound and decided that they were much better off as far away from whatever it was that had caused that sound as possible. Alice winced, putting Ald and Isabel closer. Doom! I get that you're mad about not getting envy, but maybe this is a... Uh, doom! 
The crash of another smashing hit directed at the ground shook the meadow, and Alice almost fell over from the impact, her armor clanking loudly as she stumbled. Maybe this is a blessing in disguise. We can regroup and get some more levels and equipment, earn some more gold, and doom! She couldn't help but notice that the sound of the fists breaking the ground into tiny pieces sounded a lot like his catchphrase. It both intrigued and disturbed her on a wide number of levels. Rising her voice to shout, she bellowed, Doom! Calm down and let me talk for a minute, will you? The soldier leapt out of the crater and crashed into the dirt right in front of her. Hands clenched into fists and a literal visible aura of rage surrounding him. Old and Isabel whined, backing behind Alice. She raised her hands defensively, backtracking rapidly. Okay, sorry, I won't yell at you, but you've got to calm down. We're going to attract attention that we might want not... Oh, oh, never mind. You can handle it. Sitting down, she slung her shield around and began polishing it, doing her best to politely ignore the steaming figure of the soldier. Look... We're in the overworld, okay? Least you could do is appreciate it after living in hell for so long. He stomped towards her, sparks of flame igniting and dying out of his clenched fists, and then he paused. The sky was bright, rich shade of blue, giant mounds of rippling clouds meandering across the expanse and doing their own thing. A small flock of birds were flying away from the soldier's impact sight, barely visible in the distance. The rolling hills around them were lush and green, long grass waving gently around the blood-splattered boots. Gnarled trees poked up sporadically around the area, casting a calm shade over them. The soldier's fists relaxed infinitesimally, and with a colossal force of will, he allowed his hands to hang loose. He hadn't genuinely had a moment just to sit down and not be on the alert to kill everything still moving. Taking a deep breath, he sighed, and resulting puff of steam hissed outwards, smiling upwards as it dissipated. Slowly, his shoulders drooped, and he closed his eyes behind his visor. Even though the filters of his helmet, the air was breathing still felt fresh. When he opened his eyes again, a flickering blue board was in front of him. Hello, do-do, my week has expired, I'll be going now. The soldier blinked in alarm and seized the board, grabbing it two-handed. Hey, hey, s- sorry, I, I already p- p- picked your new, new, new perks. They're, they're perfect for you. He squeezed the board tighter, even as the corners began to dissolve into separate pixels and floating away. Alice glanced up at him and mild concern on her face, still polishing her shield while Isabel licked her themselves. Doom, is everything Okay. Heavy armaments, uh, 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 unknown, uh, and soul weaponry. They should b- b- boost your overall d- damage output. Oh, 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 there's one, one more thing. The soldier waited for the board to finish, even as it shrank further, the edges crumbling and dissipating into blue sparks. Alice looked seriously worried at this point and stood up, putting her shield around her back. Okay, seriously, Doom, what's going on? Kill them all! Kill, kill every last one of them! I, I, I get why, why you enjoy their death so much. It's because you... The board disappeared. The soldier was left with his hands clenched, squeezing them tighter and tighter until the final vestiges of the handyman disappeared into the sky. Reaching for the strange presence that was normally in the back of his mind, the soldier felt something and tugged on it. 
Doom, level 157. Class, Murder Machine. MP, 3,240. Resilience, 3,258. Plus, 5,590. Strength, 3,326. Plus, 700. Agility, 3,233. Plus, 100. Intelligence, 111. Charisma, 19. Luck, 8. Skills, Bloodbath, Blast Them to Bits. Perks, Walking Massacre, Hero, Magic Armaments, Explosive Munitions, Heavy Armaments, Soul Weaponry, Genocide, Equipment, Creator Suit, Evolved Times 1, Blood of Thy Enemy, Times 4790. There were no comments, no irritated and mildly passive-aggressive requests for him to kill a little slower. No question on why he tried to rip a demon in half vertically instead of just shotgunning it. No frustrated quip about how the soldier could interact with the boards or use them as weapons. The wrath built up at the surprising speed and the soldier's visor began to glow from sheer fury. Alice backed away, held and Isabel whining loudly. Doom, what? Oh, you've got to be kidding me. The soldier heard a thump of a number of people landing behind him. And immediately after that, Well, howdy, mates. You got some nice gear. Do you mind handing it uh, over? As the soldier slowly turned, flames spluttering in and out of existence around him as his armor heating up to a dull red glow, he saw a group of raggedy people standing before him. Their gear was tattered and torn, and their weapons were rusty from disuse. Apparent leader, the one that had been speaking, was white as a sheet. In a tiny voice, he whispered, I surrender. The soldier didn't care. Now he found an outlet. End of chapter. Chapter 19. The good, the bad, and the doom. The soldier was still unsatisfied. Several craters were located around the previously untouched countryside, each of which was smoking. During the hilarious unbalanced fight with the bandits, the soldier had discovered that solar armaments really just meant that anything he used to attack would light on fire. He was pretty sure that meant a lot more than that, but Handyman wasn't around to explain it, so he could hardly confirm his theory. At any rate, the bandits were a toast for several different flavors. Most of them were in different places, with their various body parts either dispersed unevenly or disintegrated entirely. Al and Isabel were both eating the same victim, an expression of bliss on their fluffy faces. Alice was examining the head of the bandit's former leader, a strange expression in her eyes. Noticing him, she flushed slightly and explained, Sorry, it's just that, uh... A month ago, I would have been freaking out with the first sign of blood. Now I'm holding someone's decapitated head. Actually, this guy seems familiar. I think we should keep it, just in case there's a bounty on him. The soldier ignored her, stomping over to one of the only bodies that with all their limbs still attached and kicking it into the far distance. He watched it vanish over the horizon, struck with a strange feeling. In the hell, he knew he had been strong and tough. Ridiculously so, in fact, but now he could probably tear a mountain from its roots if he had enough time. It was satisfying on a huge level, and he hadn't seen an end to his limits approaching any time soon. 
but Satan, the devil, had stopped him like a child on a tantrum. He wanted to grab the biggest guns he could manage, go back down to hell, and shove a barrel down his smug throat until he was out of ammunition. A vain boom interrupted his thoughts, and he summoned a heavy shotgun and aimed it in a fraction of a second. Startled, Alice looked up, curious, making an odd gesture with her hands, causing her head to disappear in some sort of rip in the air. What is it? The soldier squinted into the distance. There was a black dot, quickly increasing in size, hurtling towards them from the horizon. He wasn't sure what it was, but there was only one way to tell. Dismissing the shotgun, he summoned the sniper rifle and raised it to his shoulder. Behind him, Alice said, Oh, that's nice right there. What are you aiming at? Once again, he ignored her in favor of looking out down the sights at the approaching object. He, um... He wasn't sure what he was looking at, honestly. A giant red bird with flames searing through its wings without injuring it, flying straight at them with a clear intent. And with a mild shrug, he shouldered his grip on the sniper rifle and centered the crosshair on the bird's head. Without a second's hesitation, he pulled the trigger. The sniper rifle kicked and Alice jumped on her feet. Whoa, Doom, what is it? Staring off at the area that he was aiming at, she put her hand over her eyes, and then her jaw dropped. Oh, oh crap, oh bull crap with the super crap mixed in, and an ultra crap drizzling lightly over the top. We are in so much trouble. The soldier glanced at her. What was the problem? It had been a bird. A large one, albeit, but a bird nonetheless. Mere moments later, the bird in question slammed into the ground, digging a trench as it slid to a stop about 60 feet away from them. The soldier blinked instead of a gunshot through its head. Its eyes were simply covered by two large black X's. A second after it paused, a person's head rose from its plumage. A young man wore tough-looking leather armor, and his short, straight, black hair draped over his perpetually squinting eyes. Lightly jumping off the bird's back, he examined it carefully. Yada, yada, that's gonna take a while to recover from this. I take it you guys are the source of all the havoc. It's a bit violent, don't you think? Looking around, the soldier nearly jumped out of his armor. Instead of satisfying carnage, he'd wreaked. There were large blotches of fuzzy space covering the innards of the bandits, leaving only bloodstains and panicked expressions on the previously alive bodies easily visible. It was almost as if something was censoring the damage. Swiveling back to the odd person, the soldier raised his shotgun from nowhere and promptly blasted him in the chest. With an oof, it displaced air. The young man was literally hurled over the bird that he'd been riding. Alice's jaw was hanging open again. Doom, you just, uh, that was a hero. And not just any hero, that was Hanobi Yamada. Thanks for asking. As the soldier turned back around, the young man vaulted from behind the dead bird, wielding a cartoonishly large sword, a pair of translucent wings sprouting from his back. But oddest of all, the only damage the shotgun had done to his armor was leave it smoking gently. I don't know who you are, Ruffian, but wait, is that a shotgun? The soldier hesitated briefly. The weird young man, Hanobi something was the first person he'd met so far who had recognized the weapon that he was using. Did that mean he was from Earth, too? Alice practically hurled herself between them, raising her hands in a panic. Wait, 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 I can explain. Yamada, this is Doom. Doom, this is Yamada. He's got a perk called PG. It's what's causing the dead guys to look like that. Yamada, these guys were bandits. Doom was just taking care of them. 
The wings vanished as Yamada made his sword disappear, walking over towards Alice with a goofy smile. Alice Avoncourt, I've been looking all over Terracot for you. Your father is worried sick. Alice winced visibly. Yeah, I'm sure that's what he told you. Look, I'm parting up with Doom for now, alright? He's a great fighter. Yamada's eyes narrowed as he turned back to the soldier. Okay, but why him? Just look at what he did to these bandits. Why? They haven't even been practically defenseless in comparison. The soldier was a bit tired of being left out of the conversation and walked forward, raising a hand to grip Yamada's shoulder. Instead, he found his hand suddenly stuck in a handshake. But of course, where are my manners? I'm a nobi Yamada. I used to be an ordinary Japanese high schooler when I pushed my crush out of the way of a grocery truck and died in the process. When I woke up, I was here and found that this world was in dire need of a hero to defeat the Demon King. The soldier had stopped listening at manners, but his attention was instantly regained when the weird teenager said, Demon King. Seizing him by the soldiers, the soldier squeezed and Yamada grinned widely. Wow, you've got quite the grip. You must have been doing some serious power leveling. Turning back to Alice, he said splacatingly, Look, let's just get you back to the castle and... He stopped dead, a ridiculous expression of panic crossing his face while staring blankly at a shield. Wait, uh, is that the Ossidia Bulwark and the... He practically choked, putting his hands over his mouth and pointing at her armor. The Raz's Ward. We thought those artifacts were stolen when you were kidnapped. How did you retrieve them? Alice flushed noticeably. Um, I uh, may have stolen them. His eyes widened to the size of golf balls. You stole them. Those are worth several million gold, at least. You've got to take those off right now so that we can clean them. A complicated expression crossed Alice's face. About that, uh, the armor is pretty much the only thing I'm wearing. Yamada backtracked with a remarkable speed. Never mind. We can wait until you get back to the nearest inn. How have you survived? We heard reports that you were met by a famous demon summoner. Once again, the soldier's attention was seized by the term and Alice was suddenly in an unusual predicament of having two remarkably powerful individuals staring at her. Okay, uh, I wanted to get away, all right. I heard the howl didn't have any people or politics in it, so I, uh... Yamada interrupted her, jumping away in shock. Hell, you spent the past two weeks in hell. She shrugged awkwardly. I mean, like a week of that was trying to get a summoner to send me to hell, so it was more like a week and a half. He waved it away frantically. Not the point. The point is, the soldier was finally done with a completely overblown teenager. And with all the strength he could muster, he backhanded Yamada in the face. It was an extremely unfortunate for Yamada that he chose to take a step forward at that exact moment. He did a full triple backflip before slamming into the ground, utterly knocked out. Ada stared at Yamada with an expression of shock and looked up at the soldier and then back at Yamada. You just, uh, he, um, she groaned loudly, dragging her hand across her face. We're in so much trouble. The soldier didn't mind that so long as Yamada was shut up. End of chapter. Chapter number 20. For Doom the Bell Tolls. The soldier could have dropped over the thick tree root sticking out of the ground. He also could have gone around it, or perhaps even gone the other direction. He didn't do any of these options. He simply swung his big foot forward at exactly the same pace that he'd been using during their trip, and the top of his foot hooked into the root. 
There was an ear-splitting, tearing, and rendering sound as the tree root bent, stubbornly stayed, and then gave. A good majority of the tree was pulled out of the ground, and it toppled awkwardly. It was rather satisfying, at least until the tree whacked Alice in the head. It cracked in half and fell backwards. She almost tripped, glaring at the soldier irritably and writing Yamada's unconscious body on her shoulders. I know you don't like him very much, but I've been carrying him for almost an hour now. Do you maybe want to turn? The soldier grunted non-committedly and attempted to walk straight through the tree, testing his limits. Suffice to say, his limits went unfound and the second tree went down, crashing against two others. Alice sighed and hefted your mother again uncomfortably. The weird young man's head bumped against her armor lightly, and he suddenly raised his head, screaming, For my friends! Startled, Alice spun around and launched him forward at maximum speed, and he righted himself, the dare shouting, Wait! What's going? The soldier had only just turned around when your mother screamed, so all he saw was a person hurtling towards him rapidly. Naturally, his first response was to punch it, and he did so successfully. Yamada backflipped once again and slammed into the grassy carpet of the shaded forest, groaning, Ow! Ow! What was that for? To Alice's absolute lack of surprise, the soldier pivoted on her foot and walked away, utterly disinterested in whether or not Yamada was fine. As she helped him up, he shook his head dazedly. She less than gently patted him on the face, Hey, are you all right? He raised an eyebrow suggestively and grinned. I am now. How are you? She sighed and let go, allowing him to drop to the ground. Instead, he rolled backwards and hopped to his feet. So, um, you should probably talk about your father. He seriously wants to get you back to the castle. The soldier turned around curiously at the phrase, and Alice promptly tried to punch Yamada in the face. He neatly ducked the attack and straightened again. I mean, uh, you'll have to go back sometime. It's not like you can just wander around Terracot doing whatever you... Uh... He was cut off abruptly, swiveling sharply. Wait. He crouched to the ground, placing one hand on it. There's something coming. Something big. The soldier was still a little curious about what your mother was talking about, but something big sounded significantly more fun. He almost summoned his shock up and then paused. Hadn't he acquired something about a heavy weaponry? Uh, did that mean... Uh, his thoughts were interrupted by a sound of trees falling over, and he turned towards the sound. Coming the oaks aside were three ugly gray-skinned creatures, each one bulky and muscular, easy sixteen feet tall, with horns poking out of their foreheads. A thick piece of raggedy leather draped from their waists, and a simple loop on the side, serving as a mass of clubs resting on their shoulders. Yamada laughed loudly. Ogres! This'll be easy. Turning to face the soldier, he said with a grin, Hey, Doom! A hundred gold says I can take more of these guys than you can. The soldier did his side, but decided not to. Instead, he grabbed onto the face of one of the ogres, hurling himself forward. Behind him, Yamada started chanting, Oh, sword of Navagalal! I summon thy power to sharpen the furnace of my resolve, and pray at your edge may cut through light itself. The soldier extended the blade of his left arm and ripped upwards through the ogre's head, nearly bisecting it, and jumped to the second one, smashing its club upward, and it literally bounced off of him and didn't slow his momentum. And he shoved his arm through the thick belly, bracing himself with his boots, firmly placing it on the sides. He tried to find some intestines, but it clearly didn't share the same insides as he did. 
or even like the demons did. So he just summoned a grenade, flicked the pin out with his thumb, and left it inside the ogre. By the power is great indeed, O blade, and I need your power now more than ever. Grant me your sharpest edge, and give me endless might. The ogre exploded in a shower of gore. The soldier rolled to a stop a few yards away. The final ogre raised its club uselessly, and the soldier decided now was a good time as any to test out his theory. Heavy armaments activated. A thick weapon appeared in the soldier's hands, with two barrels and a pair of spikes sitting underneath the barrel stock. It weighed more than some people, but the heft was familiar to the soldier. Raising it to his helmet, the soldier aimed it without much worry and fired in the general direction of the ogre. Everything from the knees up disappeared as a super shotgun bucked in his grip, and even the trees behind was left while the ogre were pulverized into splinters from the falls. A small crater appeared as the soldier was physically pushed into the ground, the blast echoing throughout the forest. Now enemies of light, feel my blade and perish. Yamada leapt forward with a flaming sword, an intense expression on his face that faded to surprise with a remarkable speed. Wait, what happened? Where'd he go? Alice sighed loudly. Yamada, if there's anything I know about Doom, it's that he doesn't mince words. The legs of the ogre fell with a meaty thump, and the soldier grinned in his helmet. If he could get his super shotgun, then that meant the other option was a genuine possibility. The BFG. End of chapter. Chapter 21. Doomstruction 9K. Walking three ogres with levels of 90, 25, and 17 respectively, you have received 294 experience points. The soldier stared at the thin notification board with undisguised disgust, ignoring your mother and his nonsense. Every time the weird human so much as glanced at a spot of gore, it was immediately covered by a strange pixelization and became practically impossible to look directly at. Alice's expression was having a strange combination of irritation, disappointment, and curiosity, poking at the remains of the ogres. Regardless of the strangeness of her present behavior, the soldier was more irritated by the absolutely tiny amount of experience that he'd received from killing the bulky enemies. Granted, they hadn't been able to so much as land a scratch on his armor, but he'd gotten more experience from killing the smallest of demons back in Brimstone. He needed to kill something bigger, a lot bigger. Yamada gasped dramatically, staring intensely at a patch of blank space in front of him. Guys, the city nearby, it's under attack, they need our help. The soldier's eyes narrowed as he looked at him. That sounded uh, convenient. Far too convenient, unless somebody was reading his mind. He had a few questions about what was going on. But for now, he had a target to aim his frustration at, and he knew just the gun to aim it with. Pointing, Yamada shouted loudly, Onward, friends! Our battle with the forces of darkness proceed yet! Alice visibly flinched at that line, asking tentatively, If you don't mind, could you perhaps avoid making comments like that? He glanced at her curiously, like what? This is no time to be wasting time. The city requires aid now, and we are likely the only force nearby that is capable of assisting. Our light shall banish the shadows of evil. 
The soldier glared at him, but he didn't seem to notice. Pumping her fist in the air, Yamada shouted, Aklabrax, I call upon thy wings to pray at the speed may carry us to battle and victory. He was getting to the point that the soldier was seriously considering knocking Yamada out and leaving him here. But a familiar bird the size of a house descended from the sky with a triumphant cry. Shaking the trees with the force of its screech, Al and Isabel looked as if they desperately wanted to take a bite out of it, and the soldier's hand itched for the trigger. Bananas noticed and shook her head slightly. Patting the side of its head, Yamada stared into its golden eyes and asked eagerly, Bricks, can you carry us to the rootledge? The squawked loudly in response, and Yamada turned to Addis and the soldier excitedly. Guys, he'll do it. Isn't that so nice of him? The soldier squinted at him. It made sense that Yamada could speak bird. One bird brain to another. Less than five minutes later, the soldier was casually jogging through the forest at an incredible rate, trees crashing and being pummeled into splinters as he went. Glancing upward, he saw Addis and Yamada riding on acrylabricks, heading in a straight line. He adjusted his course slightly to accommodate their direction and sped up slightly. Hal then Isabel were following the soldier close behind. He wasn't even going his fastest. As it turned out, having a speed statistic as high as his meant that he could pretty easily catch up or even overtake the bird that Alice was riding on. But he didn't exactly know where the city they were supposed to be saving was. In all honesty, he was only coming along because he wanted to try summon the BFG, and more specifically, use it on a target that was bigger than those ogres. A few moments later, the soldier broke through the edge of the forest and saw a half-mile-long winged reptile blasting a beam of pure light straight at a milling crowd of raggedy-looking people, protected by a transparent white dome with cracks in it. Behind them was a soaring city built from the white bricks the size of buildings, towers visible at the corners of the pentagonal-shaped walls. Most would have either panicked or retreated at the sight of the colossal creature and the visible amounts of power it possessed. In the case of the soldier, he didn't actually hesitate. Raising both hands, the soldier activated heavy armaments, and the colossal white shape formed in his hands. He grunted under the weight, but lifted it regardless. A deep green glow began to build like a soda can-sized barrel at the end, and the soldier pulled the trigger. A green ball of screaming energy erupted from the tip. Lightning bolts sparked out of it and striking the ground and trees as it shot forward. There was no kickback, but the soldier slid back regardless, uncertain of whether or not there was actually a minimum safe distance for the weapon. The BFG was not a controllable weapon. The last time he used it, it had collapsed the cavern a little smaller than Brimstone, and he hadn't had his present abilities at that time. The sphere of colored death hurtled through the air at a moderate pace, but it was still a few moments before the enormous lizard noticed it. Turning with an irritated glare, it blasted another beam at the glowing ball. The beam was deflected off the ball, veered sharply, and funneled back into the projectile, increasing its speed exponentially. Eyes widening, the creature attempted to jump sideways, almost dodging, but the ball gently touched the tip of its tail. The world went green. End of chapter. Chapter 22. Doomed out.
The soldier's visor was tinted green. Rubbing at the helmet didn't solve the issue. If anything, it just solidified the fact that he couldn't see anything at all, which was an uncomfortable experience, needless to say. It wasn't raining to boot, and he should be clearing away the strange tint on his visor. Getting to his feet, the soldier scrubbed a little harder, and the green slowly began to fade. Squinting through the haze, the soldier saw the colossal mushroom cloud and dust ballooning into the air where the gigantic reptile had once existed. The crater where it had stood still a massive chunks of rock rolling back in the form of a blast, the edges shimmering in an unhealthy rime color. It was a decent amount of time before the soldier realized that it wasn't raining, or at least it wasn't raining mortar. Whatever that thing had been, it had a lot of blood. A moment later, a dull thud heralded the arrival of Yamada's pet bird. He'd already forgotten what his name was. Jumping off of its back, Alice sprinted towards him, a manic grin on her face. Doom! That was freaking awesome! Yamada casually jogged behind her, looking worried. That was terrible! Can you imagine the loss in plant life because of that? The death of such a magnificent creature! Its lifespan probably spanned centuries! The soldier already wasn't listening. Reaching around carefully for a moment, he allowed his vision to sweep around the area, searching for the BFG. He was pretty sure he had dropped it after the blast, but maybe he'd already dismissed it. Not for the first time, he wished he had the handyman available to help him out, just to be sure. Either way, he couldn't find it anywhere, and he decided it was probably gone. Alice patted him down, making sure that there wasn't any nicks or dents in his armor, still with that giant grin in her face. Seriously, though, that was really cool. What the heck was that? The soldier scratched his helmet, still unsure of where the gun had gone, but summoned the BFG again. Alice's eyes grew wide as she reached out her hands, fingers wiggling for a good grip. Ooh, I gotta shoot that thing sometime. She noticed Yamada's expression had hastily amended. Later, mama, much later, when there isn't an awesome crater to, um... She trailed off uncertainly, and the soldier dismissed the PFG before she could change her mind. Yamada shook his head in disappointment. Trudy Doom, I cannot condone your behavior. That was Trudy Noble Dragon of incredible proportions. Who knows what wisdom it may have possessed? Alice waved her hand dismissively. Ah, it was just a dragon. Those things are famously ferocious, and from the stories father used to tell me, they don't have much in the way of brains. Besides... Whatever brains it did have are all over the country now. It's totally fine. Yamada glared at her, folding his arms, and she smiled apologetically. The soldier rolled his eyes in spite of himself, wondering if he could perhaps knock the annoying human out. Or perhaps throw him over a mountain. A sudden shout distracted everyone involved, and they turned to see a fully armed and armored regiment of silver-plated knights approaching them. In mere moments, they were surrounded by soldiers, their sharp pikes pointed at them. Yamada raised his hands. Fair guardsmen of... The soldier didn't bother waiting for a weird human to try and explain. He dashed forward, crossing the space in an instant, and punched the chestplate of one of the knights. The armor dented deeply as he did, and the knight was launched through the trees. Startled, the knight slowly began to turn to face him, or at least they looked slow to him. 
Ducking underneath the pikes, he batted one aside and kicked another one of the knights. A dense spear slammed into his armor and glanced off, and he rewarded the knight's accuracy by grabbing the end of the spear and using it to haft and knock out his former user. An armored man taller than the soldiers, big enough to be mistaken for a demon, strode forwards. A hammer with a head the size of a furnace rested in his hands, and his glittering steel armor triple-layered every inch of his body. The soldier grinned. He could definitely fight this guy. Alice shouted, Guys, stop, Doom, this is the... The hammer-wielding knight charged forward, swinging his massive weapon. The soldier braced himself and caught the end one-handed, bringing one stiff hand down on the handle. It bent instantly, and the knight tilted forward, surprised at the lack of weight. He hurled himself over the hammer and forward flip, and the soldier brought his heel down on the thunderous kick on the knight's head, and the ground was crushed underneath the impact. The knight's armor held. The man inside had to have been seriously concussed, so there was no way that he could... Uh, the knight regained his balance and struck forward with a spiked gauntlet, a hit that crashed into the soldier's gut with the force of a battering ram. Sliding backwards, the soldier's feet dug dual trenches into the dirt as he braced himself, releasing a tense breath. He ended up almost a hundred feet away from the enemy, grinning like a madman. He wasn't going to use any guns for this fight. It'll be over too soon. Pacing forward, the soldier finally put a blast of speed into his limbs and grabbed the back of the knight's helmet, crossing the distance in an instant. Bringing the enemy head down, he slammed his knee up, jumping upwards for the extra power. The knight was bodily launched over the trees and the soldier paused for a moment to catch his breath. The man, simple plates of metal covering with his priority targets, charged forward with a sword, screaming, Death to the kidnap! The soldier whipped an arm out and lightly tapped the man on the forehead. He's hard enough to knock him out. The opponent wasn't even worthy of a punch, not with that stance. Not since Torin and the soldier encountered someone who'd given him a good fight, and he was really hoping the giant knight wasn't dead. His mild worry was dispelled by the sound of trees being wholly obliterated from the force of a charging behemoth in the three layers of armor, and he braced himself. Seconds later, an oak tree that had been a few hundred years at least was reduced to splinters as the enormous knight crashed through it, shoulder down in all crushing charge. The soldier put one foot back and bent his forward knee, and he raised his hands. The knight slammed into him, and the soldier grunted as he pushed back with force. For no less than a solid minute, the soldier held ground, and the knight maintained his momentum, and they slowly ground to a stop. The knight's breath was coming heavy now, and his legs were trembling. With a brutal kick to the chest, the soldier knocked him back, then shot around behind him. Grabbing his ankle and yanking upwards, the soldier pulled the knight completely in the air, and then raised both hands and two-handed fist. Sucking in a tight breath, the soldier put all his strength he could summon into his hands and brought them down. Battering ram activated. Melee force increased by 75%. His hands accelerated at the last moment as his at least used perk kicked in. The one knight was driven into the ground as if a mountain had hit him. A shockwave exploding outward and knocking down trees as easily as stacks of cards. Silence reigned for a long moment, dust billowing out of the thirty-foot crater, and the soldier gazed down at the still form of the knight. A few seconds later, the knight flinched and rolled over, 
coughing loudly. With a violent motion, he tore his helmet off and stood, a massive grin on his face. He had a crooked nose, one that had clearly been broken more than a few times. With sparkling blue eyes and short blonde hair plastered to his skull with sweat, the man probably would have been called handsome under different circumstances. With a genuine laugh, the colossal human shook his head. That was a bloody good fight. Whatever you are, I don't think someone that hits as hard as you would rely on backhanded tactics like kidnapping. Turning to the forest behind them, the knight cupped his hands around his mouth and shouted, Oi! Royal God, it's not him! Wiping the sweat-soaked hair off of his forehead, the knight extended a hand. The name's Galbia. I'm the royal champion of Terracott's human cities. How does becoming a knight sound? End of chapter. Chapter 23 on the topic of doom. Galbia was keeping an eye on the unusual soldier. After he'd gotten everything settled out, the champion had requested, very politely, of course, that the soldier come back with them to Cauldron and visit the city for a while. The soldier had taken the request without a second thought and was currently leading the group there. His heavily armored Orthrus pet sticking close to him, whether or not he was aware of the fact was a moot point. He put him in a view of everyone in the search party. Falling to the back, Galbier slowed down to give another colossal bear hug to Alice, easily lifting her off the ground despite the armor she wore. Dad, she complained, pushing at his arms, and he chuckled deeply. What can I give a hug to my own daughter? Regrettably, she didn't share much of a resemblance to him. His face was basically a brick with human features as far as he was concerned. Where hers was clean and refined expression of calm and poised dignity. Most of the time, that is. Every time he took a good look at her now, he couldn't help but notice a slightly manic glint in her eye. The way her body language leaned forward, ready for a fight. And of course, the perpetual confident grin. That and her armor and face were mostly splattered with dried blood. Pointing at it all, he asked cheerily, Can you explain what all of that's about? She frowned confused. All of what? An ill-maintained eyebrow crawled up Galbier's forehead, and Atlas looked over herself. What is it? Am I missing something? He indicated her once again. I don't know if you noticed, dear, but you're currently coated in gore. She blinked. Oh, right. She did a double take as she realized what he just said, and she stared at her armor, aghast. Crap, I'm covered in blood. I made sure the shield stayed clean. You know, well grip and everything. But I totally forgot to clean the armor. So sorry, it must stink like crazy right now. Galbier's face crinkled up into a smile. Ah, don't worry about it. I'm curious though, whose blood is it? She waved it away thoughtlessly. Just some demons. Doom and I have been having some serious fun in what used to be Brimstone. Dad, you'd have loved it. His eyes widened, and he almost stripped over his heavy boots in surprise. Demons! You've been slaying demons! She shrugged, rolling her shoulders and forward in an attempt to get rid of the aches from the straps of her shield. Well, yeah, once you get in the groove, it's not all that hard. He raised one hand cautiously. I'm sure, but, uh, demons, aren't they a bit high level for you? Seamstress isn't exactly a combat class. She winced, yeah... About that, I kind of, um, reset my claws. She shrunk back slightly with an apologetic grin, waiting for the response. 
Galbier, right eyebrow, crept up his forehead until he nearly reached his headline. Did you now? Why did you change it to... He gulped slightly, but then stood straight, squaring his shoulders. Galbier appraised her. Interested. When she'd left the castle, she'd barely had the shred of confidence and had the tendency to shrink back from confrontation as a whole. Now, she was covered in blood of her enemies. It was a nice change. Taking a deep breath, she told him, I changed it to Paladin. I think I'm about to class evolve, actually. Albier beamed. <laughs> I thought you'd say that, following your old man's footsteps, are we? She grinned warily, still expecting a punishment of some kind. Yeah, kind of. I remember the stories you used to tell me about the wars and battles you fought in. The time you slew so many orcs the river turned red. Or the time you killed a lesser dragon with your bare hands. The time you were... He rubbed her stickly hair fondly, interrupting her. I get it. I get it. You do know that Eren is going to have a fit, right? Alice sucked in her breath through her teeth, flinching slightly. Ouch! Mom's not going to be happy, is she? It was less of a question and more of a statement. Galbier shook his head sympathetically, and he walked in silence for a moment. Some of the guardsmen in front of them were limping slightly, a result of the soldier's unbelievable combat ability. With that in mind, Galbier nonchalantly asked, Say, uh, do you think your friend is up there would be interested in joining the knights? Alice nodded in an extremely unladylike fashion. Heck no, not unless you're planning on annihilating all demonkind, that is. He turned to stare at her, mild disbelief in his eyes. Does he know they're immortal? She laughed quietly. Yeah, he knows. He got a class perk to circumvent that. I don't know how it works, but if he kills a demon, it stays dead. He even killed Torin. Galbier's expression darkened. I'm not going to complain about that. Torin was a plague on Terracot's lands. The world's a better place without him. But if you can slay someone like him, then he's perfect for the royal god, wouldn't you agree? Alice shook her head. Honestly, no, I wouldn't. I've seen him in action. He's got a ton of these unique weapons. I don't know what they're called, but they spit fire and metal like nothing both ever seen. They're fun as heck to use, though. You'd probably get a kick out of some of his bigger ones. While Garbier was indeed extremely interested in the weapons Alice was describing, he went back to the point. That's perfect. He can arm the guard with some of those, uh, whatever he used to kill the dragon. I've never seen anything like that. Shaking her head again, Alice continued, Dad, you're not getting the point. I don't know why he's got such a vendetta against demons specifically, but, uh, let me get my thoughts together for a second. They walked in silence for a moment, and Galbier was more than happy to give her a minute. Finally, she said, uh, do you know that he's a hero? He snorted loudly, really? I would never have guessed. The armor wasn't exactly a tip-off. She laughed under her breath. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, do you know that he appeared in hell? Galbier's eyes widened. Wait, so he's, uh... Alice nodded. He started killing demons at level zero. I don't think he was even there for the very long. Two weeks at most. So when I say that there's practically nothing left in Brimstone, I think that they should give you a pretty good estimate of both how powerful he is and how dedicated he is to making sure that demons straight up stop existing. Galbier whistled. Well then, let's be sure to get him back to hell as soon as possible. I wouldn't want to get in the way of someone as, uh, unique as him. Doom, you said his name was. 
She threw her arms wide. Honestly, I have no idea what his actual name is, aside from one time all I've heard him say is Doom. Galbier was curious in spite of himself. What was that one time? Alice shivered. Trust me, when you say you don't want to know, I'm getting chills just remembering it. He nodded, taking it into consideration, and kept moving. Kidron's walls were fast approaching. They should arrive within half an hour or so. Hesitantly, Alice asked, Hey, Dad. He glanced down at her. What is it? Were you going easy on Doom when you fought him? Galbier chuckled deeply, but the sound trailed off as he stared at the back of the unusual soldier. Alice, not even remotely. End of chapter. Chapter 24. You get some doom. The soldier wanted to kill some. It wasn't that there was any specific thing annoying him. Yeah, the fact that the relatively weak knight swallowed him, kept trying to nudge him with their weapons as if he was a prisoner or was annoying, but not murder-worthy. Finding out that this Alice was the daughter of the admittedly fun-to-fight champion, or whatever he called himself, was frustrating. It meant that she'd been holding out on him. What sort of new ways to slaughter enemies did she know that she hadn't told him? But once again, it wasn't anger-inducing enough that he wanted to kill her or her dad. No, the twofold reason behind his hand clenching and unclenching uncontrollably, a non-existent trigger practically underneath his fingers, was a very simple and very noticeable. The first reason was easy. He hadn't killed any demons in at least, what, uh, twelve hours? Maybe a day. Time was a bit odd, as far as he could tell. But the point was that there were demons in hell that were still in possession of their lives, and he disliked the thought of that immensely. The second reason went by the name of Yamada. Through the unknowable train of thought, Yamada thought that the soldier was a hero, so therefore was spiritually related to the loud-mouthed idiot. He was walking alongside the soldier with a spring in his step, constantly talking about his friends, all of which seemed to be female for some odd reason, and all of his former battles, the only thing keeping the soldier from either knocking him out or tossing him over the nearest mountain, or both, was the knowledge that it wouldn't solve anything. And that's how I defeated the great fire lord of the eastern steppes, using nothing but a tarnished spoon and my underwear. Really, it was an obvious plan if you think about it. The soldier paused for a moment, and the knights following them stumbled over themselves, trying to not actually hit him with their spears. Turning, the soldier put a hand on Yamada's shoulder, and the young man brightened considerably. Ah, you feel some gentle embers of companionship as I. I was certain that you would one day come to be aware of them. Once again, the soldier wasn't actually listening to the drivel. Clearing his throat, the soldier leveled an unseen gaze at Yamada and grated out, Shut up. The words made the grass under their feet turn gray and shrivel, and a small radius of dead grass spreading out from the soldier. Yamada deflated noticeably and then tried. I was only trying to, uh... The soldier increased the strength in his grip exponentially, and Yamada yelped loudly slowly pulling him closer until the soldier's visor was mere inches from your mother's face. The soldier ground out through gritted teeth. Shut up. 
The circle of dead grass expanded rapidly, stretching out and widening as the words reverberated through the air. The area underneath the soldier's feet ignited and turned to ash over a period of about half a second, and gravity itself seemed to briefly intensify as he glared at the helpless young man in front of him. Raising his hands in surrender, Yamada whispered, Okay. Satisfied, the soldier turned and began to continue forwards towards the gigantic wall of the city behind it, wondering if perhaps there were demons in the city that he could kill. Although he didn't notice it, there were two singed and simmering bootprints where he had been standing. Now, the soldier really wanted to kill something. There had been a small checkpoint at the wall as opposed to a giant gate they'd been expecting. There, with the knights following him, he'd been stopped by a fat little official who then tried to confiscate the soldier's armor. The soldier had almost laughed at the suggestion, at least before realizing the four-and-a-half-foot-tall man was serious. Galvier, or whatever his name was, had admittedly insisted that the soldier was clear to enter, armor or not, and the official had grudgingly backed down. Then Alth and Isabel, Isabel had come over, and the official had gone apoplectic and red-faced, blustering anger, insisting that hellhounds or Orthrus or whatever she was were not allowed in the city. At this point, the soldier was seriously considering just knocking the wall down and walking past the checkpoint. Shaking his head, Galvier walked over to the soldier with a sigh. Good Lord, Doom, you wouldn't believe how stubborn these checkpoint officials could be. Well, I got everything cleared up, and you're good to go in, dog and all. Still, extremely frustrated, the soldier walked past him towards the gate, sending a heated glare at the official's direction. Somehow, the fat little man didn't back down, sticking his nose in the air and putting his greasy black hair out of his eyes. Alf gave him a giant lick on the face as she passed, and her furiously wagging tail almost knocked him over, followed closely behind by a heavy hair of trepidation. The knights kept their weapons up and aimed at the soldier, with Galvier and Atlas holding the rear of the group. There was a short, dark tunnel leading through the wall, and it gave the soldier a much more accurate perspective on just how thick the wall truly was. No wonder the giant reptile had been unable to breach it. Ahead of him, rapidly growing as he approached, was a square of white light. Walking on through it, the soldier squinted at the city before him. Small buildings and storefronts lined the cobbled road in front of him, street lamps placed even near the wide sidewalks, people and, uh, half-people. Not demons for sure, but there were quite a lot of people with animalistic features, such as tails or tufted ears poking out above their hair. Built in, concentric rings increasing in height as they went into the center. The houses and shops began to get bigger and fancier the higher they were. And at the center of the rings, the highest of all was the castle. It was made from enormous blocks of sparkling white stone, yellow and navy banners waving proudly from the parapets and towers. A steady stream of people went in and out of the castle, barely visible from this far away. Alice walked up next to him, smiling at the city. Wow, I forgot how amazing this place looks. Gavia put a gauntleted hand on her shoulder, grinning. Yeah, it's a pretty darn good place to live. What do you think, Doom? Looking over at the soldier, they both paused. His hands were slowly clenching into fists, and a gentle layer of smoke was beginning to rise from his armor. 
glancing at each other worriedly. They looked back at him, and Alice asked tentatively, Doom, is everything all right? The soldier was furious. Where were all the demons? End of chapter. Chapter 25. A bicycle made for doom. Admittedly, the city was extraordinarily built. The soldier had to admit. The only real problem with it was that it wasn't covered in the blood of his enemies. With Galbier having dismissed the entire squad of knights, their group had been reduced to the soldier. Old and Isabel, Galbier, Alice, and a rather nervous Yamada. At the moment, Alice and Galbier were perusing the inventory of a large armory. The shop had high ceilings and hefty support beams, oaken logs holding a layered boards above them solidly. A variety of weapon racks had been suspended nearby. A small arsenal of increasingly large and fancy weapons arrayed nicely on them. Garbier was examining a ridged hammer, a long handle wrapped with a polished leather. The head of the weapon was probably about two feet long, and at least a foot in either direction. The corners of the metal block were spiked, and the short stubs of sharp metal protruding from the weapon's head. As for Alice, she seemed to be quite interested in what the blacksmith claimed was a magic self-reloading crossbow. She wanted it for the situations in which the soldier wouldn't be present to give her weapons. Granted, her shield was a weapon in and of itself, but after her experience in Hull, she wanted something that would produce a bit more gore. And the soldier... He was bored out of his mind. He didn't need phantom axes or flaming broadswords or hammers that could crack the ground like an egg. He had assault rifles, shotguns, machine guns, chain guns, grenades, claymores, landmines, sniper rifles, super shotguns, and, of course, the BFG. He had a feeling that he could probably summon a rocket launcher, but with the BFG as an option, a simple rocket would be a bit underwhelming. Alice held up the crossbow and aimed down at sight, then glanced over at the giant smith. All right, I'll take it. How much? The smith grinned, resting one hairy forearm on the counter. I'll pay 230 gold, Bissy. You got that kind of coin. She frowned, displeased. That's uh, pretty expensive. He shrugged. The price is the price. Don't matter who you is. The soldier was getting more and more bored by the mint. How did he even pay for things anyway? Current balance, 7,195 gold, 87 silver, 23 copper. He glanced at the blue board hovering just in front of his face, and his expression darkened. He still missed Handyman, even with the tendency to overstate the damage that the soldier did. The emotionless display of the soldier's evident wealth did not improve his mood in the slightest. Walking back over to him and shaking her head, Alice slung the large crossbow over her back. Man, that was almost a ripple. Good thing my dad's a royal champion. Some perks come with the position, and a permanent discount on weapons is one of the best ones. Ignoring her for a moment, the soldier exited the building and went to check on Alden Isabel. The heavily armored Orthros was lying on the ground, not moving an inch as a small army of children clamored all over her, them. The seven-foot-tall, two-headed dog, dogs, didn't seem to mind the attention very much. It was kind of cute. As he approached, the children quickly slid off the back and scattered into the crowd. 
He wondered why they'd run, and then remembered that he was quite literally covered in hardened blood. It probably didn't smell too great either. But according to the handyman's advice, the gigantic boost in defense he received from the perks would vanish if he washed the armor. He didn't mind. He'd gone nose dead after the first month in hell as he was originally from. A shout interrupted his thoughts and he turned around to see an assembled crowd of passerbys jumping aside and screaming in surprise. The soldier's eyes narrowed and he readied himself for whatever was about to come through the crowd, lowering his center of gravity and flexing his hands. What he decidedly wasn't ready for was a short girl with rabbit ears come out of the crowd with a full sprint at him. Her large brown eyes widened as she saw him and she jumped, trying to make it over him. It wouldn't have worked if the height of her jump had been doubled, high as it was, as he reached an arm out and caught her by the collar of one-handed. Taking a look at her, he realized that it was in fact a collar that he grabbed her by. A thick strip of metal encircled her neck, a short length of sword-off chain dangling from the side. Barefoot, the only clothes she wore was tattered and filthy white shirt and a short brown pants, the ends sprayed and splitting. A fuzzy layer of brown fur covered her from head to toe, and even she even had a few uneven whiskers poking out from her cheeks. Her left ear flopped over to the side of her head, and the other had a cocked bend in the middle, with a slight nick in the top right. For a moment later, a lean, aging man broke free from the crowd, his face twisted in anger and a sword drawn, searching around for a second. He saw the soldier holding the rabbit girl, and his eyes narrowed. The expression cleared away almost instantly, giving away to a pleasant, open smile. Turning, the soldier noticed Galbier, Alice, and Yamada exiting the smithy. Most of the people present either bowed or backed away, a respectful tension filling the air. Returning his attention to the man, the soldier was uncertain of how to act in the situation. Folding his hands and bowing slightly, the man spoke. His voice was oily and smooth. A placating tone hid his words. The soldier hated it instantly. My lords and ladies, my sincerest apologies for this untimely interruption. One of my new slaves was temporarily released as a kindness and saw fit to seize the opportunity to run. Even suspended midair, the rabbit girl glared at him, shouting in a choked voice, You two-faced liar, I barely escaped from that wagon. Kindness, my... Galbier interrupted, stomping a foot down in a loud clang. Hold on just a moment, everyone. Doom, what's going on? All eyes went to the soldier, and he shrugged, setting the rabbit girl down. He kept a tight grip on the collar, though, still unsure what was going on. The man's face twisted in fury before immediately softening. His voice had a bit more bite to it this time. I wished to extend my regret to the situation. The slave in question has had several mental issues in the past, and it is quite violent. The soldier's opinion of the rapid girl went up a notch in the last part, but Alice frowned. Mental issues, she stared at the rabbit girl intensely, and then glanced over at Galbia doubtfully. She looks perfectly sane to me. The man continued with a vapid grin. She possesses by random fits of madness, my lords and lady. Rest assured that my business is treating her with the utmost of gentleness and kindness. Meanwhile, the rabbit girl looked as though she was about to explode in a red-faced fury. But Yamada cut in imperiously. Sir, you said that she is a slave, correct? He nodded slowly, and Yamada smirked. 
then I see no reason why I shouldn't purchase her from you, do you? Name your price. The man's expression curved upwards in a sincere smile. Why, of course, Sir Hero, her price is currently stated as 1,000 gold pieces. A low murmur of surprise went through the crowd at the price, but Yamada didn't even flinch. Certainly good, sir. I have the coins right here. He held up a bag and raised a glowing hand to it. A moment later, a bag deflated slightly and had held forward with a confident smile. The man hesitantly accepted it as though he couldn't believe his luck and then handed Yamada the iron key. She's all yours, my lord. Turning, he strode off through the crowd, chuckling quietly to himself. Behind Yamada, unlocked the rabbit girl's collar and then clenched the key. A second later, he allowed the pile of molten slag to fall out of his hand and then knelt in front of the girl. Ma'am, you're free. I have no intentions of keeping slaves. Do what you will. He grinned proudly, standing back expectantly. She was frozen for a moment and then laughed in a dead tone. The laughter went for a solid 15 seconds, increasing in hysteria, and then she finally spat. Are you a freaking idiot? Yamada blinked, taking utterly by surprise. And the girl continued, I don't top four and a half feet on tiptoe, and you just paid a thousand gold coin for a girl who's probably going to be right back in the slave market in less than a week. The soldier was genuinely beginning to like this angry little rabbit girl, and kind of wanted to keep her. She was reminding him of his pet rabbit from forever ago. Nameless Lapari female, available, pet binding, yes, no. Interested, the soldier put a hand to his helmet, thinking for a moment. Meanwhile, the rabbit girl, who was evidently called Lapari, was still berating your mother. Galvia and Alice watching in amusement. Mean Rini, what do you want? Thank you for your absolutely moronic move right there. Bagging away with his hands up, Yamada asked uncertainly, Did you, uh, not want me to free you? The soldier pressed yes on the board and it flickered for a moment, changing to a different message. Notice, nameless Lapari female has significantly lower level than you. Do you wish to sacrifice a moderate amount of XP to bring her up to level 25? She laughed darkly. What choice do I have? I was born a slave and probably gonna die a slave, stupid. It's not like anyone's gonna adopt a, uh, what's the word he used? Oh yeah, violent little scrap like me, huh? Might as well go back to the slaver wrapped up in a bow. Stop acting like you're the god's gift to the universe, pinhead. I could, uh... The soldier hit confirm and the Lapari doubled over, gasping. Despite the endless barrage of insults he'd just been subjected to, Yamada hurried forward worriedly. Seconds later, the Lapari's stark ribs filled out, the little stick-like arms and legs suddenly inflated with muscle. Standing, she blinked a few times and then looked at her arms in awe. What the... what just, um... A thought occurred to her and she made a gesture. Staring at the blank space a short distance in front of her, she slowly wheeled to the soldier. You made me a bet. The soldier nodded and her face alternated between fury and confusion. Whipping towards Alice, she asked suspiciously, Hey you, what's this guy like? Startled, Alice said uncertainly, Well, he's really violent, kills demons for fun, and doesn't pretty much talk at all. Oh, and he hates Yamada. The Lapari paused for a moment, thinking about it, then straightened, stomped back over to the soldier. She stared at him for a second, and after a moment, grudgingly bowed. Thanks, I, uh, I appreciate it. The soldier patted between her ears, and she froze. Wait a sec, 
Spinning around, she raised her hand again and stared unblinking at what the soldier presumed was her board. Slowly, she turned to face him, an expression of blatant shock on her face. Daisy! She brought her gaze stare at the soldier's visor and repeated, Daisy! You named me Daisy! What kind of name is that? How am I supposed to bore the rep at that? Who's gonna say? Oh yeah, there goes that Lepari that killed a bunch of bad guys. Daisy's pretty awesome, right? Nobody, nobody's gonna say that because it... She trailed off as she realized that everyone was staring at her and shut up. With a serious flash of red rising to her cheek, she muttered, Thanks for the name. The soldier nodded. There was no name for rabbits except Daisy. End of chapter. Chapter 26. Doom Hall. Quevin lolled back in his chair, focusing hard. The guild hall was as loud as ever, adventurers and beastmen duking it out over the smallest of squabbles. He actually was pretty sure that there was an ogre in the mix today, but at this point, it was basically background noise to him. Concentrating hard, he carefully tossed the peanut into the air, tipping his head back and opening his mouth. The peanut soared upwards, hit its apex, and fell back down, squarely hitting the clerk in the eye. With a shout of surprise, he tried to jump out of the chair. Instead, his leaning back caused it to destabilize, and he crashed to the ground with a painful thud. Groaning, he pushed the chair off of him and stood up. Clark was laughing at him, doubled over from his mirth. Sending a glare in his direction, Quevin righted his chair and started to try again. Quevin and Clark were 17 and 18 respectively and considered themselves to be phenomenal stock in the ladies' department. Sadly, they were the only ones to think so, and their delusions had caused them to receive more than a few well-placed and well-deserved slaps. That being trying for a while with less than no success. Ignoring the small pile of paperwork just under the desk he was seated at, Clark asked, Why are you still going for that? You're gonna try less and just go with it. Quevin glared at him, and the peanut had just tossed landed in his hair. It took him a moment of frantic searching to get it out, and then shook his head in just in case. The heck is it supposed to mean? How am I supposed to not try? If I don't try for it, then I'll never get it, and that'll just be sad. If tricks like these that really bring in the woman. Clark shook his head sympathetically. I don't know about that. Nobody's ever come to check you out. I mean, yeah, it's cool as all gets out, but its results talk for itself. The grammar error went unnoticed by Quevin, who stubbornly continued to toss peanuts into his mouth. I bet Alice would think it was cool. Clark snorted, Alice, the daughter of the champion. That Alice. Missing once again, Quevin nodded. That Alice, you gotta admit, she's pretty darn hot. Raising an eyebrow, Clark asked skeptically, Yeah, but wasn't her dad like a really tough and a lost boyfriend? I heard the guy died, and he was supposed to be like a, like, like level 60 or something. Quevin shrugged, and another peanut landed on the wooden floor. I bet he like me, I'm cool, you know. Besides, it's Alice we're talking about. Remember, a few weeks ago, she showed up all nervous-like with all that expensive stuff. Remember how anxious she was to get that one demon summoner quest? Looked like she was about to offer her freaking shield if she got that quest. Clark stared off into nothingness, recalling the event. Huh, I guess you got a point. She is a bit shy, right? I mean, uh, she was jumpy, and that one goblin dropped its goblet, and she near bounced through the roof. Browning, Quevin looked at him. How the heck do you remember that? 
Clark shrugged. Don't know, but I remember stuff sometimes. Anyway, are you gonna ask her or shield or something? Kevin smirked. You and me both know I ain't after a shield. They sniggered for a moment over the joke, and then Clark regretfully got back to filling out paperwork. Tired of his attempts, Quevin started restlessly drumming his knuckles on the desk. One of the perks notified him, and he glanced down at his board. It displayed all the names of both the people inside the guild hall and the people waiting outside of it. And there were four new names on the list. A slow grin spread over his face as he nudged his co-worker. Hey Clark, you're never gonna believe this. Scooting over his chair, Clark squinted at the board and his eyes widened. No way! Quevin leaned back in his chair, putting his feet on the desk. What are the odds? I tell you, it's destiny. Clark was still staring at the board, a slight frown on his face. Wait, uh, who's the Doom guy? An earth-shattering impact shook the guild hall as the steel-reinforced oaken doors were blown off their hinges. A massive gust of air followed it hit. Everyone near the door went flying and Quevin keeled back over, arms pinwheeling, and Clark hurled himself under the desk. The sounds of chunks of wood clattering all over the hall continued for a good five seconds, and then the guild hall was silent. Poking his head over the desk, Clark saw an armored figure standing in the doorway, hands outstretched from the blow that he just dealt. The terrifying entity measured at least seven feet tall. Unfamiliar plates of some foreign metal coating every inch of its body. Where its base should have been, there was a reflective piece. But even through that, everyone in the hall could see a pair of blazing marks where the eyes should be, wavering and flickering with the nearly inaudible hisses of rage. The figure walked straight to the main desk, ignoring the tables, the chairs, the adventurers on his way to do so. Its footsteps sounded like death knells, impeding doom approaching on the two men. It stopped at the table and stared down at them, its hands digging into its adamantium alloy desk with ease. Doing his level best to ignore the wet stain rapidly spreading across his pants, Clark whispered, I, uh, hello sir, uh, uh, I mean my lord, how, how can I, um, how, how can I be of service to you? Ignoring the garbled sentence, the titan leaned over the desk and spoke. His voice was grating, hoarse sound, and it galled the menace of the Grim Reaper himself. I need to kill something. Quiver raised his head over from where he'd fallen and kept raising it to try and take in the full height of the apparition. Howdy. Clark swallowed. His throat was suddenly and completely dry. You need to uh, kill something. Are you asking about a monster hunt quest or about your... The figure still spoke in that quiet, gravelly voice of death, but his words still somehow held the volume of a shout. Demons. The thing hunted demons. Clark wiped away a thin veneer of sweat covering his forehead and choked at, uh, We don't have any demon hunting quests. With a hate-filled snort of disgust, the figure turned on its heels and walked back out through the annihilated doorway, hands clenched into fists so tight that the air wavered around them. A familiar woman walked past him, making a low whistle as she took in the damage. Well, Doom, he probably could have just been a bit gentler with those doors. 
Walking over the carnage, Alice went right to the desk, casually resting her arms on the desk. Now that the two hapless clerks got a better look at her, they realized that she wore the blood-splattered armor and the paint-nicked shield with significant ease. It was obvious that she was familiar with the equipment, far more so than she had been several weeks ago. With a ready grin, she asked, You guys know any summoners who could get three people and a dog to hell? I need to find one on short notice. That guy, she jerked a thumb over her shoulder at where the omen had departed. Really, and I mean really, likes getting demons. Not gonna lie, it's starting to grow on me too. So yeah, we're gonna need one of those as soon as possible. Wrapping the desk with a gauntleted fist, Alice nodded to them and left, hiking up her shield. Pausing as she left, she gestured at the groaning orc lying on the ground and asking doubtfully, Did Doom step on you? Receiving a pained nod, she sighed sympathetically. Sorry about that, I'm sure he didn't mean to. It was a full minute after she'd left before anyone moved, and the guild hall slowly went back to normal. Mori glances still flickered in the direction of the door. With a haggard groan, Clark collapsed into his chair, wearily asked Quevin, Still want to hook up with her? Quevin was quite adamant from that point onwards that he never wanted to see anyone or anything that had interacted with the monstrous creature that had destroyed the doors. End of chapter. Chapter 27. You are all in deep doom. The soldier's boots were leaving singed marks wherever he was walking. Nobody tried to get in his way. In fact, nobody stood anywhere within ten-foot radius around the smoking soldier. And in the distance went a triple for in front of him. Behind him, Daisy was perched uncertainly between Ald and Isabella's heads. Galdier had left at some point, needing to do something or another, and he'd politely asked Alice to come with him. She'd refused. So he'd asked a bit less politely. She'd gone with him after that, and the lack of her presence was in the back of his mind. He had no idea where Yamada had gone, and he couldn't have cared less. Right now, there was nothing he wanted more than to find a demon, whether it be in hell or in the city, and to tear its limbs off and shove it down its throat, and then preferably blast it into smaller pieces, and so forth. With an awkward cough, Daisy gruffly asked, Yo, Doom! What are we doing? He gave her a brief glance and then turned back around. She sighed loudly. Dude, seriously, are we going to kill something or are we just going to lunch? Just give me something. To be honest, the soldier didn't have plans past commit genocide on demonkind. To drive and annihilate their entire species was a constant one. It wasn't a background objective. It wasn't a task that he wanted to get done. It definitely wasn't a hobby. It was, as far as he was concerned, the sole reason for his existence. Once all of Hal had been purged of life, he fully intended to find out how to go to another Hal, and another one, and another one, until every universe's Hal had been clean of demon filth, no matter how long it took. Sliding off Al's shoulder, Daisy lightly hopped towards him, instead of walking where she had a strange loping gait that looked as though she were perpetually bouncing on her long feet, ready to escape at a moment's notice. Look, I don't care what we do, I'm plenty happy just not to be a slave anymore, you get it, but I'd like to do something. What do you want? He turned his gaze on her and she didn't flinch. Rub and dare. She swallowed hard but kept her eyes fixed on his faceplate, unsteadily despite her shaking knees. 
Okay, that's something. We can work with that. Do you know what you want to kill? His answer was instant demons. Daisy made a non-committal noise, huh, and then kept walking. Elle and Isabella happily padded behind them. A minute or two later, Daisy's ears perked up. Wait a sec, I just remembered something. The guys who I was enslaved to, they worked with this goblin, better named uh, Corvick, something like that. A point of being, he ran a fight ring. All comers welcome. The soldier looked down at her a bit more seriously. Curious, in spite of his perpetual wrath, she continued, a malicious grin coming across her face. Of course, the whole thing was a scam, taking out weaklings for increasingly large jackpots, and then staking it all on the last fight. But the final contender, the house champion, is a demon. A big one. A slow smile spread across the soldier's face, and while he didn't notice it, his boots stopped leaving scorch marks in the road. The fact didn't make anyone relax, but it was an improvement. Daisy elbowed him carefully, explaining conspiratorially, Okay, so if you want to end up fighting the big guy, this is what you're gonna need to do. You have money, right? The soldier checked his balance briefly, then nodded. And she grinned perfect, so this is what we're going to do. Most people in the soldier's position would have been nervous, or perhaps even slightly anxious. The soldier hadn't felt anxiety since, uh, too far back to remember... Where most people felt worried, he felt wrath. Where most people felt nervous, he felt fury. Where most people had butterflies in their stomach, he had a grenade in his enemy's stomach. Taking that into consideration, he was keeping quiet as Daisy convinced the bouncer outside the extremely suspicious-looking metal door that he was just a normal fighter. Look, buddy, we just got the armor from a nutjob tinker's death auction. The guy took it out thinking it was some sort of super armor and got his butt kicked from here to Dervalo. My friend here bought it and wanted to give it a test run, which is why we're here. The bouncer looked at the soldier up and down a few times, squinting doubtfully. The soldier was repressing his rage and excitement as much as he could. Apparently, others could sense his murderous intent and tended to get pretty jumpy when they did. With the disinterested eh, the bouncer stood aside and rapped on the door three times, waited, and then hit it one more time. The door was pulled open and a fat man wearing a stained shirt and shorts looked at the soldier and Daisy over. Shrugging, he said, eh, and stood to the side, putting that disapprovingly large mace on his shoulder as did so without any apparent effort. Moving on through, the pair was greeted with what the sight of a massive cage, placed at the bottom of a sort of valley lined with bleachers. The bleachers were packed in bursting with shouting, screaming people of every race and species the soldier could think of, and quite a few that he'd never even imagined. Inside the cage, a hefty man with rippling muscles and disturbingly shiny piece of red briefs had a crocodile person hybrid in a headlock laughing maniacally. Daisy glanced up at the soldier and shouted over the rackus, Hey, do you mind if I hop on your shoulders? I'm not going to be able to make it through all of that. He considered it for a moment and then gave her a nod. She rapidly jumped upwards, grabbing onto his head with one hand and placing her feet on his shoulder. Poking her head down into his view, she pointed at a small area near the bottom of the desk. Two men seated at it. A large and quiet literal pot of gold was placed in the center of the table. 
Head down there. We gotta get you registered before any one of the guild horde lets them know what you did. Agreeing, the soldier simply forced his way through the crowd, moving downward until he ended up next to the cage. Approaching the two men, he appraised them and disliked what he saw. The one on the left was a greasy suit and tie, with even greasier black hair slicked back over his head. The hair was long enough that it reached his narrow shoulders, and his entire frame was gaunt. Was for the other man, he was remarkably ordinary-looking, with a simple blue shirt and brown pants. He was intently watching the cage white, fingers laced and his hands resting on the table in front of him. The thin one looked over and saw him, giving a slight start as he did. Muttering something inaudible at his companion, they both stood up and walked over. The normal-looking one kept an even expression, but the thin one had an undeniable look of greed on him. Smiling falsely, he extended a bony hand. Hello there, friend. That's quite the get-up you've got there. Daisy cut in with a ready grin. It sure is. When's the next fight? This guy's ready to go. The rattle of the chain link brought their attention to the cage where the muscle man was pushed his opponent's face into the metal, laughing raucously as he did. Twisting the arm behind his back, the man raised it upward sharply, and there was a snap as the crocodile man's arm broke. To his credit, he didn't make a sound. Instead, curling into a ball and clutching it made his muscle man pump his arms at the crowd, who went wild with excitement. The sides of the cage lifted, and the crocodile man rolled out, grunting as he hit the floor awkwardly. Rising to his feet, he steadied himself and stumbled into the crowd, vanishing in moments. Turning back to the soldier, the thin man said eagerly, Looks like now's your chance. The entry fee is 100, by the way. Every fight after that, you can put your winnings back into the pot and get a chance to win more. But be warned, losing a fight will mean you lose it all. Are you ready? Without a moment's hesitation, the soldier howled out a hand over the pot and a hundred gold coins rattled into it. Ignoring the wide smile on the thin man and the tense expression on the normal one, the soldier turned around and climbed into the cage. Daisy patted his back and went in, whispering, Good luck! As the walls lowered immediately and the muscular man turned around with a quizzical expression, it quickly morphed into irritation and he looked down at the two moderators. Ah, now, watch all this. When he gets to wear armor. Still smiling, the thin man responded, Combatants are allowed to bring in as much armor as they like, Max. It's your choice if you want to wear a piece of underwear. Grimacing, the man turned to face the soldier, lowering his body into a restless grip. Eh, I can take anyone, armor or not. Bring it on, I say. The crowd cheered at the misplaced confidence as he grinned easily. Down at the table, the ordinary-looking man held a bell aloft and rang it, the clear note cutting through the mayhem. The moment he did, Tudemax launched forward, grabbing the soldier's hand and kicking at his knee. The kick was plopped dead, and Tudemax's teeth rattled from the impact. Looking up, the soldier wide-eyed. He shouted, Oh, crap! The flat hand, the soldier shot one arm forward and slammed his palm into Tudemax's chest. The muscular man was hurled backwards, skipping off the canvas floor, and crashed into the chain-link wall. He didn't get back up. The crowd was silent. And then it wasn't. A massive roar of approval rising from the bloodthirsty spectators. The walls of the cage rose, and the few uniformed assistants pulled the unconscious man out. 
Both of the moderators looked thunderstruck, and Daisy's face held an incalculable amount of smug satisfaction, making a gesture to up the bet. A few moments later, the assistant shoved an unwilling man into the cage, and the walls lowered before he could dive back out. Turning, he stared at the soldier in obvious panic. He was wearing quite a bit of more armor, but still nowhere near a full suit. The armor was spiked on the shoulders, but hung on his lean frame loosely. He pulled the knife out from the small sheath, holding it in front of him nervously. The blade wobbled unsteadily, and the soldier sighed mentally. This was supposed to be a fight. The bell rang and the man launched himself forward in an unexpected fast lunge, the knife snaking forward. The soldier neatly grabbed the man's hand, wrist and knife one-handed and calmly put his thumb and index finger around the man's neck and squeezed ever so slightly. The man choked up, I surrender. The soldier tossed him inside in disgust and the cage lifted once again. The crowd was going crazy with excitement, and Daisy gleefully upped the bet once again. With a slight cough, the thin moderator stood and called over the crowd's roar. What do you fellows say to cutting straight to the chase? I'm sure you all want the main event, don't you? The crowd went wild in a fit of screaming and shouting, and the man smiled. Leaning down to Daisy, he asked her for something that the soldier couldn't make out, and she nodded eagerly in response. Gesturing towards the assistance, the man sat down with a devious grin. A few moments later, the cage rose up once again, and the soldier smiled, the eight-foot demon stepping into the cage with bare-chested and thick pair of brown horns sprouting from a grimacing face. A simple rope belt held his tanned leather pants up, and he held a ridged battle axe in one hand. Upon seeing the axe, Daisy looked over at the moderators and shouted, the soldier wasn't able to hear what she was saying, but based on her expression, she was probably complaining about the potentially dangerous weapon. Ignoring her, the ordinary man struck the bell, and the fight began. The demon laughed, basing forward, bringing his axe up. He laughed. Betcha didn't expect that, did you know? Ignoring the comment, the soldier raised his fist, ready to fight. Once again, he didn't want to use any of his guns, at least not yet. Rushing forward, the demon brought his axe into an uppercut, and the soldier neatly dodged, grabbing the outstretched arm by the wrist. He smashed his fist into the demon's elbow and shoved it in a direction that it wasn't supposed to go. With the opponent's arm broken, the soldier put one foot in the demon's chest and braced himself and brought one hand flat down on the demon's shoulder, and they crushed the bone. Repeating the motion several times, the soldier finally smashed his way through the limb's joint and literally pulled the arm off. Spinning, he used the severed limb as an impromptu club and bashed the demon across the face with his own arm. The entire process had taken maybe a second and a half at the outside and the demon stumbled backwards, a rising groan of pain as he fell over. The crowd fell silent and shocked at the sheer speed and power that the soldier had displayed and then rose to their feet with a roar of gleeful bloodlust. The moderators jumped to their feet, shouting at their assistants to get the demon out the cage. The soldier wasn't having any of that. Leaning down at the cage edges, he glared at his finger. Not for the last time, he wished that handyman was around to assist him with the process. But even without the helpful assistant, his finger began to glow a deep red. 
carefully, he wilded the cage doors to the ground, watching the increasingly panicked attendants attend to open the cage door. The soldier gave a grunt of satisfaction and dusted his hands off, turning back to the demon trapped in the cage with him. The demon had pushed himself to one hand and the soldier watched. He gasped through his teeth. Emergency heal! He stared at the ground for a moment and to the soldier's pleasant surprise, the demon's arm grew back. A rather painful-looking growth of glistening flesh sprouted out from his bleeding arm socket and hardened into an appropriate limb. Evidently, the soldier could come very close to killing this demon for as long as he wanted. Sucking in a breath, the demon snarled, Resurrection by day, enhanced stats, hardened skin. He continued talking for a short moment and a range of colored auras appearing and disappearing around him. Rising to his feet, the demon growled, You're gonna regret that. As the demon sprinted forward, the soldier was mildly surprised to find that the demon was significantly faster than he'd been before. Unfortunately for the demon, it was still miserably slow compared to the standards that the soldier operated by. Buzzing one arm over his head, the soldier allowed the demon's axe to skate across his armor, a shower of sparks following it. Faster than the eye could follow, the soldier grabbed the demon's jaw, forced it open, and punched his spare hand straight through the back of his throat. Ripping his palm so that his faced palm upward, he turned around and brought the demon into an overhead throw, crouching to ensure maximum impact, and smashed the demon's skull into the steel-reinforced floor. To his disappointment, the demon's head literally exploded, sending a shower of brains and blood across the floor. Standing backward and shaking the worst of the gore from his hand, the soldier stared in frustration at the corpse in front of him, only for the irritation to be turned into confusion. The blood and gore scattered brains slowly sucked back across the floor, returning to the demon's neck and rebuilding his head. Staggering to his feet, the demon shook his newly recreated head and grimaced at the soldier. Didn't expect that, did ya? It's an artifact, mythic grade. I ain't dying till the sun goes down. And that ain't gonna be for another few hours. The soldier's head tilted at interest. Evidently, he was allowed to kill this demon. Over and over for hours. His day had just taken a turn for the better. End of chapter. Chapter 28. Stare into the doom. The soldier kicked the demon's leg out from underneath him, seized his head, and tore the demon's entire skull from his shoulders in one easy pull. A gout of blood, along with the majority of the demon's spine, exploded from the severed joint, and the soldier took a few steps back, hunkering down onto one knee. He patiently waited for the demon's body to reform. The instant the demon was back to being alive, he began to cry, Please, he begged, just kill me already. The soldier happily obliged, summoning a pump-action shotgun, the weapon least likely to level the surrounding area. He spun around and brought his leg up to the thunderous backward kick, connecting it to the chin of the hapless demon. The sound of shattering bone followed and the impact and the soldier rolled forward, ending up and flattened his back. Aiming upwards as the demon soared through the air, the soldier pulled the trigger and blood rained down upon him. At this point, the only people still present were the two moderators and Daisy. The thin man slumped in his chair with a dull expression of despair. 
while the normal-looking one simply sat, one leg folded on top of the other, taking notes on a clipboard. As for Daisy, she was taking a nap on the abandoned rows of bleachers. She was snoring with incredible volume for such a small frame. His thoughts were distracted as he realized that the demon was back and he switched to using his hands again. His session, long as it had been, was providing incredible education. Facing forward, the soldier yanked the demon to his feet and punched one hand straight through his gut. Three kidneys popping one by one. A dual stomach, it's acidating no damage to the soldier. Bringing his arm further and further up, the soldier seized the demon's gnarled heart and yanked. The small explosion of gore followed the cardiological removal, and this time the soldier discarded the organ, summoning a grenade and placing it where the demon's heart should be. Six seconds, and the demon screamed later, and the grenade blew, and the already blood-soaked mat was once again showered in further gore. He hadn't tried that yet. Unstahad, the demon, 286 times. All experience collected by John's yard has been fully transferred to you. Bonus experience has been allocated due to causing a true despair in Yamstiad. You have leveled up 64 times. A perk is available. Do you wish to see your available perks? The slightest pang of sadness struck the soldier as he remembered the handyman wasn't around anymore. But he tapped yes regardless. Two options appeared and his eyes slowly widened as he saw the top one. Without hesitating, he selected it and felt the familiar surge of knowledge and power flood into him. Turning to the demon's summarily obliterated corpse, the soldier waited for a moment and then frowned. Why wasn't he coming back? The blood soaked into the mat began to glow and honeyed sheen, rising into the air in small gobbets. Collecting into a center of the ring, right above where the soldier had tossed the demon's heart aside, it formed into a shining golden amulet. The crystalline ruby the size of a child's fist was set into its center, and the soldier poked it curiously. Soul Solace, Mythic Artifact It is said that soul's favor is purified and concentrated into the gem and the amulet, and the old deity will forever smile upon its user, whoever that may be. This artifact, once consumed, will permit the user to be unkillable so long as it's daytime. This artifact has a one-month cooldown and will automatically activate upon death. Do you wish to absorb soul solace? The soldier was enormously disappointed. It looked as though the demon was dead for good now. Now he couldn't try his new perk. Who knew how long it would be before he could use it? He wanted to kill something with it, not wait to kill something with it. It let him use it with one of his very favorite weapons and, uh, would let him do that. Pausing for a moment, the soldier extended a hand and a blue light suffused the surrounding area. Melee weapon activated. Melee weapon ukulele cataloged as ready for imminent use. A small wooden instrument appeared in the soldier's hand and he stared at it in delight. He hadn't played the ukulele in a long time. Folding it into the crook of his arm, he prepared to run his hand across the metal strings. Daisy sat up with a sudden scream of panic and terror, shouting, No! Don't! I'll do it instead! She stared around, fighting the ring wide-eyed. Her ordinarily floppy ears flat against the back of her head. Her pupils were enormous and every limb was shivering in fear. The soldier stared in surprise, dismissing the ukulele immediately. Walking forward, he paused as he recalled that he had welded the cage shut so that the demon couldn't escape. It looked as though he would have to get used to use out of his spoke after all. 
Mini weapon activated. Mini weapon crucible catalogued and ready for imminent use. The seven-foot-tall long spike blade of red energy sitting comfortably in the soldier's hand felt familiar. He wasn't completely sure when he last he'd used it was, or perhaps he hadn't used it yet. Hell had ruined his sense of time, and he didn't care. What mattered was that he presently was wielding a very cool sword, and that he knew for a fact that it could cut through just about anything. He'd probably keep the chainsaw for next time as he ran into demons. At any rate, the crucible cut through the chain-link mesh with such ease that a knife through hot butter would have looked like using a pillow to hack through steel by comparison. Once the appropriately sized rectangle had been cut out, the soldier paused and grabbed Sol's sodas, almost as an afterthought, and then sprinted up to the bleachers to Daisy. She was already calming down, but still was clearly in a fight-or-flight mode. One lengthy foot rapidly tapping on the floor as she looked up at the soldier. With a half-hearted grin, she said, Sorry, just just a nightmare. I'll be fine. The soldier was well aware that she would be fine. She was in his immediate vicinity, after all. There wasn't a living thing with an IQ higher than 10 that thought any knowing him would be a good idea. Regardless, he wasn't sure how to make her feel better. He wasn't exactly a master with words. A thought occurred to him. He didn't really need the soul solace. His resilience was high enough that at this point he was confident that he could take a hit from the most of his own guns. Although probably not the super shotgun, and definitely not the BFG. With that in mind, the soldier didn't hesitate in punching Daisy in the forehead with the artifact. Instead of sending her through the side of the arena, the gem-crusted amulet froze and then slowly stoked into her head. Daisy frantically clutched at it, asking the obvious alarm. Whoa, 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 what the heck is that? Her mouth slowly fell open as she read the invisible board and then glanced up at the soldier. You, you have no idea how much that was worth. That was a mythic-grade artifact. You could have sold it for tens of thousands of gold or, or, or used it on yourself or, why would you waste it on me? The soldier patted her shoulder. Ignoring the mediators, checking the extremely dead young steered and the carnage he'd wreaked on his way up to the stairs. Not a waste. Nobody, and he meant nobody, was gonna kill his rabbit. Well, not twice at any rate. End of chapter. Chapter 29. And Doom stares back. The soldier exited the vine ring with Daisy on his shoulder to find a small battalion of heavily armored knights waiting for him. Squinting, he realized that he actually recognized these knights. Most of them were the same ones that had escorted him into the city. Some distance away, Al and Isabella were watching curiously. He barely noticed Daisy's grip tightened on his shoulder, but he clearly felt her mutter, Those guys let the slavers that used to own me into the city for a bribe. That thin one in the middle, he used to, um, rent some of the women. The soldier's eyes narrowed and he started walking forward. The knights immediately raised their various weapons, and the man the soldier had his eye on shouted, Hold, fiend, approach no further or face the consequences. Lots of talk, the soldier noted. Words tended to have very little effect on how a person fought. He continued, regardless of their warnings. The thin man raised a spear over his head and shouted, We gave you a fair warning, Doom. Stand down or die. His words were beginning to have a trace of hysteria in them, 
and the soldier felt a distinct sense of disgust. In terms of appearance, he had the soldier outnumbered 16 to 1, and they all had shiny armor and contrast his own rust-colored blood-coated power suit. With such a visible, albeit utterly false advantage, this man was still terrified of him. Finally, weapon trembling, the mismaned knight charged forward, yelling, You have no choice! Piercing stab! The spear came up and shot downwards faster than most men could see, its point glittering in the evening sun like a bloody teardrop. In response, the soldier simply held out one hand, palm forward, and the moment the spear struck his palm, it bent like a toothpick in his hand of a giant. As it snapped, the soldier sidestepped and extended an arm and plucked the knight out of the air with all the ease of a man picking up a cat. Which is to say, the knight immediately began to scrabble on the soldier's arm, screaming frantically, Send me down, demon! I am a knight of the ro-. He didn't make any further. The instant he called the soldier a demon, the temperature and the air rose a good 30 degrees. Eyes flaming, the soldier spun around, still holding the knight by the back of the considerable armor around his neck, and face-slammed him into the ground. Daisy nearly went flying, but managed to jump off the soldier's shoulder. Arcing through the air, she bent her body into a backflip and landed on the ground, stumbling backwards, checking herself over to make sure that she was truly all right. Gugrin crossed her face. Whoa, I forgot I had some levels. Ignoring her for the time being, the soldier eyed the knight face down in the small crater caused by the impact. Needing, the soldier wrapped her hand around the knight's helmet and lifted so that the soldier could glare through the eyeslits, staring at the wide green eyes inside. I am not a demon. The knight trembled, raising his hands in surrender. Okay, okay, just let me down. Obliging, the soldier let go. The knight scrambled away on his hands and knees. His armor was covered in dirt and grass now and featured several new dents from striking the cobbles. Brushing the worst of it away, the knight raised one arm, purifying flame. A gout, a red flame, erupted from the knight's hand and harmlessly enveloped the soldier in a wreath of flames. The soldier didn't so much as get hotter in his armor. Were all the so-called knights the stupid? Perhaps Galbier was the only one with an ounce of sense. Before he could appropriately react to the useless attempt at an attack, Daisy sailed over his head, rotating mid-air as she locked her legs around the neck of the knight and curled around abruptly, heaving herself backwards, hands to his neck, and the knight was hurled to the ground for the second time in as many minutes, and Daisy acrobatically rolled to her feet, ending in a leap that left her next to the soldier. Breathlessly, she excitedly told him, This is freaking awesome! I've never felt this strong! She flexed the lean arm, grinning at him as a small bump rose in a tricep. Getting back to his feet again, the knight spluttered, You're both under arrest! The soldier snorted loudly. He hadn't handed a single good hit on either of him or Daisy. How exactly did he expect to arrest them? Who's getting arrested? The soldier's eyes widened incriminately. This fifteen-foot-tall mountain of silvery plate armor and muscles approaching, curious passerbys moving out of the way in alarm, made the ogres he'd seen in the howl look like a child. His single mace swinging heavily from one hand, but the ease with which the giant held onto the eight-foot-tall handle spike spoke volumes of his strength. 
Pointing at the soldier, the knight shouted frenziedly, Admin, this man has tried to kill me. He stole that slave from a good friend of mine. Daisy yelled furiously, Liar, I'm going to kill you personally for that. Admin turned around completely, covered helmet and soldier's direction and rumbled, Good reason for arrest. You might want to stand down, bud. Don't want to hurt you. The soldier lowered his center of gravity, his knees bending as he spread his arms wide, hands outstretched and ready to fight stance. He just gotten over 60 levels from that demon, and his stats were higher than ever. Not to mention, he had a new perk that was just dying to test on something. This thing, whatever it was, was definitely not human. That took it off the infinitesimally minute list of creatures that the soldier avoided killing. The tension and the air began to build and Admin sighed. Have it your way, bud. Sorry about this, bunny, he added apologetically to Daisy, who glared at him. Stomping forward, the monolithic paladin brought down his mace down on the soldier, its spiked end shining as it blurred downwards. The soldier didn't bother dodging. Due to blood of thy enemies, along with the bonus of the creator's suit, the soldier was reasonably sure that he could take a hit from just about anything. His theory proved correct as the mace crashed into his head and sank a full five feet into the ground as the dirt and stone shattered underneath him. Daisy sped to one side, a smear of brown color streaking away. She really was remarkably fast, the soldier noted calmly. Grabbing onto the end of the mace, he waited for the admin to inevitably pull his weapon back. As the giant did, the soldier yanked himself forward, capitalizing on the momentum and drop-kicked his opponent in the face with a grunt of effort. The crashing blow smashed into the thing's head with an almighty clang, and even with however much the armor weighed, the opponent was launched off of his feet. There was a breathless fraction of a second as the monstrous giant soared through the air, and then smashed into the ground, digging a trench as he skidded backwards. It was obvious to everyone present that he was completely knocked out. The soldier was disappointed. One hit? It only took one hit to knock something that big and tough as this thing out. How was he supposed to have fun against any normal opponents when they just up and died on him? The thin excuse of a knight's dead, flabbergasted at the slowly rising and falling chest of Admin. What? You? How? He turned to look at the soldier, backing away as he did. What kind of monster are you? Before anyone could respond, a glittering meteor fell from the sky and exploded on the ground, sending a dust cloud sweeping through the area. The soldier's eyes narrowed and he sensed Daisy sprint back to his side, nervously putting one hand on his leg, but as the dust cleared, the soldier relaxed somewhat. Rising to his feet and dusting off his hands, Galbiet looked around quizzically. What's going on? Noticing the unconscious admin, he whistled loudly. Who knocked the admin out? I want to shake his... Oh, it's you. The surprise in his voice changed to an amused tone as he saw the soldier, and he walked over with a ready grin. I'll leave you alone for five hours and you go and pick a fight with one of the elite guard. If it were anyone, it'd be you. Stuttering over his words, the thin man pointed an accusing finger at the soldier and shouted, Champion! That thing tried to kill me and was about to execute the admin. Galbier raised an eyebrow and turned to look at the soldier and then snorted loudly. Captain, I assure you that Doom said he wouldn't kill anyone while he was, uh... Wait, did you ever actually say that you wouldn't kill any innocents while you were here? He interrupted himself, turning to the soldier with a frown. 
The soldier merely shrugged in response, and Galbia winced. Oh, uh, that's, um, well, that's a bit embarrassing. Wait here just a moment, will you? Walking over to the shaking knight, Galbier pulled him aside and began intensely whispering into his ear. The knight glanced over at the soldier several times, and the soldier noticed that the man's knees were beginning to tremble in terror. Patting him on the back, Galbier ambled back over to the soldier. Right, got that all taken care of. Please don't kill anyone here, by the way. There's a certain precautions in place against murderers in Caldran. The soldier wondered if the demon he'd stain a few hundred times and increasingly creative ways, counted as murder and decided that no, they probably didn't. Roughly shoving the soldier in the shoulder, Galvia added with a grin, Oh, I might have a way for you to get back to hell. The soldier's interest was immediately piqued, and he tilted his head curiously, nodding. Galvia continued, Yeah, the castle is hosting a ball to celebrate Alice's safe return tomorrow evening. It's not every day that a champion's daughter goes missing after all. He chuckled darkly, then added, Anyway, there'll be plenty of nobles and rich men attending the event. It should be fairly easy to convince one to sponsor your return to hell. The soldier considered the prospect. One hand, he'd have to go to a ball, which sounded like a horrific idea on a number of levels. On the other, he'd get to go to hell. When he put it in those terms, the soldier reflected, It was pretty easy decision. Giving Galbier a ready thumbs up, the soldier nodded. The champion laughed richly. I thought you'd say that, oh, and by the way, it's a black tie event. Do dress for the occasion, if you don't mind. Patting him on the shoulder once more, Galbier headed off, rounding up the obviously nervous knight and heading away. The soldier nearly considered being furious. Black tie event, he wasn't going to take his armor for anything, hell or not. An idea occurred to him. Galbier had never specified any clothing aside from the tie. End of chapter. And that, my friends, concludes this issue of the first 40k. I hope that you enjoyed. Please remember to support the author, and if you wish to support the channel, there are links down below. And if you want the next 40,000, please remember that that'll take 5,000 views, 100 likes, and enough content to make it. I will see you all in the next one, and until then, I hope you have a great one. Cheers.